Yeah, Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh, my. Did Mick plant one on C-card? Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gartner goes right to King Plattenberg. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I am your host, Joe Lazito. We are up to episode number 30. I got to tell you, I'm not, uh, I'm a little surprised only because, uh, like I said, uh, as I've gone on and on a little bit lately uh, with some of the uh, issues with the interview guests, I wasn't sure we'd ever get to interview 30, but here we are in um, interview 30, episode 30, and uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I hope you are too. Uh, so today, uh, as I said in my uh, last episode, we're going to alternate now. We're going to alternate uh, interview guests and solo episodes. I've gotten some pretty good feedback on my solo episodes, and uh, that means a lot to me because obviously when I'm interviewing somebody, uh, the guest actually carries the interview because uh, I can only make so many questions interesting and um, if the guest is bad, which fortunately I have not had any of those, uh, but if we're being honest, I have heard some of those on other shows, not any of the shows that I promote, of course, because we all know the tough guys are the most interesting people in the game. Um, but every now and then, you know, if I go to different sport podcasts or um, sample other shows within hockey, uh, some of the guests are brutal. I think you probably have heard some of those as well. So. Um, fortunately on my show, all my guests have been awesome, but it's a different animal when you do these solo shows, because now basically, uh, it's me talking to myself in this microphone, hoping that you're listening and hoping that you're enjoying the content. So, um, like I said, I am, I'm pretty excited about, uh, the future of the program with these solo episodes. Um, today is, like I said, episode 30, it's the top 10 toughest Islanders right wings in history. And this will be uh, the fourth top 10 episode that I've done. You know, hopefully if, you, uh, if you've heard the other episodes, the top 10 defensemen, top 10 centers, top 10 left wings, I hope you enjoyed those. Uh, this will be the conclusion of the positional top 10s. And then once I'm done with this one, uh, I can get all the uh, information that I gathered from the previous four episodes, the four top 10 episodes, and come up with my ultimate Islanders top 10. So um, I do hope you enjoy this episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, um, while I'm talking about the past top 10 episodes, uh, since this is episode 30, it gives you 29 episodes to go back into the uh, into the vault and uh, listen to those. And the reality is there's more than 29 episodes. Um, Dean Ewan was my first guest, and um, he was... Uh, an episode onto himself, but it was actually broken up into two episodes. Uh, I've had a few guys where it was broken up into two episodes. And Mick Vakoda, uh, I consider just one episode, but it was actually broken up into three shows. So 
it's 30 episodes, but there might be 36 individual episodes for you to listen to. So there's plenty of content to go back and listen to if you're new to the show. Uh, I think it's pretty good. And um, I have some people that have listened to every show, and that blows my mind. So um, thank you to those people. And uh, like I said, uh, go back and check out the previous episodes. Uh, every now and then I go back and, and check a few things out. And uh, not that I am... Um, you know, this uh, experienced broadcaster, but as you do this more and more, I think you get more comfortable and, uh, and I can definitely hear the difference in, uh, in myself from, uh, the episodes that I do now to the episodes that I've done in the past. So, uh, so, you know, uh, as always, I have to, uh, have to go through a few things before we get to the nuts and bolts of the episode. Uh, first and foremost, I received an email this week from Amazon. This podcast is now available on Amazon music. I guess Amazon is uh, either getting into the podcast business or they finally decided let's get to the ham and eggers and um, you know I guess they uh, scooped me up from the gutter and they are uh, I'm now on Amazon music so if that is a platform that you listen to podcasts on um, please add add my show I think you I don't know if you click follow or like whatever it is uh, but I am now available on that so um, so check me out there um, let me see what else. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I, I don't know about Amazon. I don't know um, if this is something new for them. But uh, it was a, it was a pleasant surprise because, um, you know, I guess Apple Podcasts or Spotify, those are the big ones. Um, I'm partial to Podbean, of course. They're my host. Um, but uh, Amazon's a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm sure they reach millions and millions of people. So maybe it's another opportunity to grow the show. Um, another opportunity to grow the show would be uh, on whatever platform you're listening to. If you could subscribe to the show, if you could like the show, rate and review the show. Now, you don't have to go on with a seven paragraph review. Um, you could just maybe write about uh, how great the show is, how handsome the host is, uh, how verbose he is, uh, whatever you like. But um, like I said, apparently uh, the more subscribers I get, the more likes and the ratings, uh, it helps the show. Uh, I don't know if it uh, if it pumps it up if people are searching uh, for hockey on their platform, but uh, if you don't mind doing that, especially if you're here every week, um, it, it would really help me out. And the other thing is, I don't know exactly how each platform uh, pumps the show out to you. Uh, what I do know is, obviously, I subscribe to my own show and I listen to shows on Apple Podcasts. And on Mondays, when I go to send the tweet out with the links to the shows on the individual platforms. Apple is always the last one that has it available for non-subscribers. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Like I said, maybe they're the biggest. They have to sift through the shows. I honestly have no idea. But if you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, you get it immediately as I publish it. So right now it's Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. If I publish this at 1 o'clock, two hours from now, it'll be there for you at 1 o'clock. If I publish it at 5 o'clock, it'll be there for you as soon as I hit publish. As long as you subscribe. And then if you don't subscribe, then it's available for you whenever they put it out there. The other platforms uh, get the uh, material out there pretty quickly. Apple has either, they do it pretty quick or it's been well over 24 hours. So it's another reason why I urge you to subscribe. I mean, I, I think what I do here is pretty good. And if you think so too, and you listen on Apple, definitely hit that subscribe, uh, subscribe button. And... Um, and then it'll be there as soon as I publish, uh, as soon as I publish the show. Uh, obviously, I, I'm I'm pretty heavy into the social media scene, especially on Twitter. 
Uh, there are two accounts at Joe underscore Lozito and at Kali Sinbin Pod. Um, definitely follow me on both of those. I will follow you back. Um, the Kali Sinbin Pod account is all Islander stuff, uh, all Islander enforcer stuff. Um, basically, the it's the show Twitter. Um, and if I'm going to do anything other than the Islanders fighter stuff, that's going to be on my uh, regular uh, Twitter. But, uh, you know, they, they sort of cross over a bit. But uh, but I would I, I mean listen I think I'm 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 a great follow uh, no I mean I'm I'm who I am you know if if you are someone that finds me affable then uh, you might you might like follow me on Twitter so give me a follow I'll follow you back um, Facebook facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast that is the podcast Facebook page give that page a like uh, similar stuff that's on um, the Twitter the Coliseum Bin Pod Twitter page. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as myself, but I really don't use that too much. And uh, but uh, you know, for me, um, if you send a friend request, I will definitely um, accept it. We'll be buddies. Uh, but definitely check out the Facebook page for the podcast. Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. Again, some people like Instagram rather than Facebook or Twitter. So. The Instagram page and the uh, Facebook page and the Kali Sinbin Pod Twitter, they sort of run together. So um, if you're uh, on all the platforms, definitely give me a follow on all the platforms. I'll follow you back. Uh, if you prefer one over the other, then you have your choice right there uh, of which one you want to follow. But again, um, definitely check me out on social media. The merchandise has been going pretty well, actually. Um, as you may or may not know, if uh, you if you've listened, you know. If you haven't listened, welcome to the show. Uh, the Coliseum Chronicles podcast has its own merchandise line. Uh, that is at teespring.com/stores/coliseum-chronicles-merch. And you don't need to remember that. You don't need to write it down. Just scroll to the bottom of the description of this episode, and there's a direct link there. It brings you right to the merchandise: t-shirts, sweatshirts. It's September now, especially here on Long Island in September. It was almost like one day it was beach weather. The next day it's 50 degrees, uh, which this is the time of year I wait for, so I welcome this. Uh, but if you're like my wife and you are not a fan of this weather and you need a hoodie, uh, I can definitely help you out with that. Uh, if you're like me and this is still T-shirt weather for you, I have those too. I have tank tops, men's and ladies tank tops. We have T-shirts. We have hoodies. We have regular sweatshirts, uh, socks, totes. I recently added uh, masks because who the hell knows how long we're going to be in this mask world that we're in. I know some people have accepted it. Some people haven't. But you have to wear one at some point, uh, especially here in New York. Uh, the emperor has deemed that you need to wear a mask everywhere. And um, why not look very fancy with your Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box mask? Uh, I've also added phone cases uh, for um, Samsung phones, I believe, and for iPhones. Uh, I got an iPhone case for myself. Um, I, really, there is no limit as to what you can get on the merchandise page, which actually is a lie because I think there's 26 items, so obviously there is a limit, but you know what I mean. And again, I say, fellas, everyone wants to go work out. You want to look buff, get yourself a tank top. Uh, ladies, same thing, get yourself a tank top. See a nice-looking fella. You see a beautiful gal. You guys end up hitting it off. There's onesies now. So nine months later, you want to get yourself a onesie. 
for that beautiful baby you created. I mean, it, it writes itself, like I'm fond of saying. It writes itself. But um, definitely check out the store. Um, I appreciate anything. It's still amazing to me that there are people out there that are walking around with merchandise promoting my program. It's absolutely mind-blowing. I am so appreciative to everyone who has ordered anything on that store. So thank you very much. When you go to the store, you're going to see the logo. And actually, yesterday, we celebrated my son's birthday. I'll get into that in a little bit. But... We uh, went to pick up the four-foot hero from the deli, and I was wearing my Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box t-shirt, but I had a mask on, and the guy said, hey, that kind of looks like you, and I said, well, that is me, and he just raved and raved about the logo, and, and uh, I said, hey, you know who did that logo? That's Joe Marisic, and I told him, he's a local Long Island artist, uh, does a lot of tunes, and he did, um, if you're an Islander fan listening to this, he did the sliding Varlamov um, I mean, it was, it's, he's just, he's on top of things. He's so talented. He does regular art too. I, I don't want to think I'm, I'm selling him short by just talking about the tunes, but obviously if you've seen my logo, it's, it's a cartoon logo, but, uh, Joe's very talented. He can do all sorts of art. Very, very cool guy. Um, you know, so, uh, definitely if you have any art needs, art questions, whatever, hit Joe up on Twitter at graphics joker or check out loudegg.com. Send him a message. Um, now that uh, football season's starting, I'm sure his uh, he'll he'll be pumping out some Jet stuff. I uh, wish he was a Bills fan. I'd love to I'd love to see some of his Bills art, but uh, unfortunately he isn't. He's a Jets fan, um, so I'm sure his uh, Jet art will be picking up. Also a Mets fan, so uh, I'm sure he'll have some Mets stuff too. But definitely check him out. He is very very talented. Now, as I touched on when I was mentioning the merchandise, talking about people now wanting to get buff uh, here in New York and on Long Island, uh, I believe all gyms now can be open. And there's a gym here on Long Island called Belmar, Belmore, Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. It's Long Island's premier mixed martial arts gym. It's open seven days a week. If you're a man, a woman, a child, and I think that pretty much just covers everything. No matter what you are, you're a living being, the gym is for you. It's that simple. If you're breathing right now, if you can get to a gym, there is one gym you want to go to. That's Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. They have classes. They have private sessions. You can go in there and work out on your own. And it's not just an MMA gym. Uh, for the longest time, I was there, and I was just a member of the gym. And all I did was uh, cardio. And if Keith is listening, he'll probably be laughing right now about me doing cardio. I did do some cardio, but I went in there, and I just worked out with weights and everything. So it's not just an MMA kickboxing gym. You can go in there and do your own thing. Um, but there are so many, so many options available. Um, you've heard of these guys, John Volante, uh, Gregor Gillespie, Andre Harrison, Chris Algieri, Adam Kalnachki. These are all professional fighters. They train there. Um, but again, they don't cater to just pros. Um, I trained with Keith Trimble. He's the man. I think he's the best trainer in the world. Um, I, I mean, he ju you just click with him right away. And he enjoys, um, he enjoys training regular people as i call them but uh there's only so many professional fighters out there and there's millions and millions of regular people like us we can you can go there it's great reasonable rates reasonable prices 2551 merrick road in belmore 516-679-5997 belmorekickboxingmma.com if you mentioned that you heard this on the coliseum chronicles podcast you will get a free class Whatever class they have, 
Uh, if it's if you have a kid and you want them to take a kids class, you get a free class. If you're if if you're listening yourself and you want a free class, go there, mention the show, you get a free class, whatever you want on their schedule on the house. Take the class, you'll love it. I'm sure you'll join. Um, once again, ask for Keith, Keith Trimble, the best in the business. Belmore Kickboxing and MMA, train where the champions train. Now, let's get to some other shows that you might like if you like this show. The Fourth Line Podcast, my buddy Darren runs that show. Uh, recently he had on another friend of mine, Jay the Lugan, and uh, they talk some old Quad City UHL stuff. Really, really entertaining stuff. Uh, Jay knows knows what he's talking about. Um, I learned some stuff listening to that episode. The cool thing is Darren has has fans on. You know, he has hockey fighters on, and uh, he has fans on too. So if you're a fan like myself, I was on Darren's show, and uh, it's just that um, you listen to regular people. You listen to fans. Like, you know, if you're like a, a hockey fight nerd like Darren is, like I am, you know how much you love that aspect of the game you know how much you've put into it and when you hear other people talk about it it's almost good to know that you're not the only lunatic out there but jay was really educational and uh, him and darren had great flow definitely check out the fourth line voice podcast also darren has a fourth line voice youtube channel over 2200 fights on there and if you've ever watched the hockey fight on youtube chances are it was on the fourth line voice channel Five for Fighting podcast, Alec Olin Salen. He just did an episode with the former general manager of the Danbury Trashers, AJ Galante. It was bittersweet for me to hear that because I realized that I had uh, multiple opportunities uh, to go see the Danbury team when they were in existence, and I only took advantage of it one time. Uh, I'm really, really disappointed in myself. And actually, the funny thing is the game I went to um, – I want to say they they might have played Flint or something. And Flint really, that day, did not really have anyone tough dressed. And uh, it wasn't a very eventful game in terms of fights on the ice because there was just nobody for the boys on Danbury to go with. But it was an amazing experience. Um, when we went, uh, Jared Burnett was there and Ryan Barnes uh, was there. So uh, we got to hang with them a little bit. And... Um, Bernie was cool. He took us in the locker room. We got the full tour. I believe we did meet um, Mr. Galante and uh, AJ, and um, just it was wonderful. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm very proud of my Italian heritage. Uh, the Galantes, fine Italian businessmen. Um, what, what else is there to say? So I was very happy. AJ's a cool guy. Looks uh, listens uh, listen to the episode. Seems like a really cool guy. Really down to earth kid. And um, you know, basically. If you're listening to this show and you listen to the other shows I mentioned, AJ had our dream job. He was basically a real-life fantasy hockey fight league owner. Okay, It was really, really simple. And uh, that, to me, is the dream job. You have an owner basically saying, I want to put the toughest team together. Go for it. And, I mean, what that's the dream, isn't it? I mean, if you can't go out there and do the fighting on your own, I mean, that's the next best thing, putting the team of this rogue team together. Oh man. So, uh, I was very jealous at the time of AJ, but, uh, like I said, check out the episode. Very bittersweet for me to listen. Cause I realized what I've missed, especially nowadays with the, the, in the current climate of hockey. It's uh, it was bittersweet to listen to it, but, uh, it's gone too soon. That's the, uh, Danbury trashers five for fighting with Alec with AJ Galante. Also check out Alex enforcer appreciation page on Facebook. Thousands and thousands of members. <clears throat> The Bucket Drop Podcast is now on hiatus. 
hiatus. Um, Bobby Longgrass, he uh, he did his 50th episode. Now he's taking a break for the rest of the year. Um, done for the season. Go back and check out his past episodes. I was on there, I believe, twice. Uh, he has some really good episodes. He's uh, he's an amateur rapper. Um, hopefully he'll uh, maybe next year he'll get into a little bit of metal or something like that. But uh, Bobby's cool. So what Bobby does, um, he sells bucket drop hats, caps, and the proceeds go to help child abuse survivors. So please um, go to Twitter at the bucket drop. And uh, if it's not his pinned tweet, it's always near the top. Check it out. Buy a hat. Like I said, the money goes to child abuse survivors. Um, Bobby's doing some good things up there. The other thing that Bobby's doing uh, during his hiatus, he's a huge, huge Mark Bergevin fan. He's the GM of his favorite team in Montreal. Uh, what you can also do on Twitter is flood his Twitter account with pictures of Mark Bergevin. I think he's trying to get, I don't know, he's trying to put together the biggest Mark Bergevin photo album. So um, just randomly, you don't even have to say anything. Just tweet a picture to Bobby of Mark Bergevin. Tag him in the tweet. Um, I'm sure he'll love it. So um, I don't know. Let's try to get him 500 Mark Bergevin pictures. That would be awesome. He would absolutely love that. So um, check out those shows. Um, Darren, the fourth line voice, is on the Hockey Podcast Network. It's also a network that my friend Terry Ryan has his show on. Um, they do, um, podcasts for every NHL team and, um, and some other podcasts too, like, you know, Darren with the, the enforcers, uh, Terry Ryan, <laughs> Terry is just, he's such a great host. He's just, you give him the microphone and just let him go. Uh, there's other shows. Brady Levold has a show on there. Uh, he's trying to help people that have battled addiction. He battled a heroin addiction. So he's, uh, he does that on there. They have a, a ton of shows. And um, Isha, Isha is one of the boys who run that show. And he has a show, uh, The Soda Pod. It's basically a Minnesota Wild slash beer show. And the boys had me on there this week. Uh, if you're interested in hearing that, uh, that would be episode 84. And the one, thing, the one thing I said in the show, and if you don't listen to the show, uh, I just want to tell you something about uh, Isha. So this is what he does for a living. This is his network, the Hockey Podcast Network. I am not part of that network. Um, but Isha, I guess through hearing me on Terry's show, uh, and then realizing I have a relationship with Darren, um, he's embraced my show in the sense that when I put a new episode out there, um, or any sort of content, he'll always retweet it. He'll always promote it. And, uh, and you know, I do the same for, for Darren's show and for Terry's show. Uh, so it's sort of reciprocal and it wasn't anything we ever agreed on. It was just, you know, something I guess two cool guys do. But, um, you know, the thing I said to Isha was, you know, to me, it, it shows a lot of character because he's out there every day promoting the shows on his network and he still manages to find time to, you know, promote my show a little bit when I have new content out there. And uh, I, I just thought that was really classy and I think it shows a lot of character. So uh, you might want to give their show uh, a listen to, especially if you like the Minnesota Wild or if you're a fan of beer. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you'll find the show enjoyable. Uh, that's the Soda Pod. And if you want to hear the episode that I was on, that was episode 84. So what I talked about on that episode is uh, the Islanders and the Islanders playoff run. And uh, unfortunately, that came to an end. Pardon me one second. I'm showing my age here. If you listen to Alex's show or, or Darren's show, whenever they take a sip of something, it's usually beer. I'm having coffee. So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, you know. I would say it's 11.15 on Sunday morning. 
Uh, it's too early for a beer, but I'm sure for some people that's just not the case, especially on a Sunday with football coming up. But what a run. That Islander playoff run, unbelievable stuff. And um, unfortunately, it came to an end. But, God, how can you be mad? Like, yeah, obviously, you're disappointed. I'm disappointed. But, Jesus, man, what the last seven weeks were unbelievable. And um, this team is, is going places. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I get goosebumps talking about it now just because I'm thinking about the last seven weeks. And, listen, I have um, – I've spoken about how I'm furloughed from work. You don't need to hear that. I, I've spoken about how the government, uh, state, and federal has let us down in terms of those of us like myself who's furloughed and ready to work but can't work. And, uh, you know, the governor of this state here I think is a shit for brains, and the senators don't give a fuck about us. They're more concerned about uh, daylight savings time, and I'm not kidding about that. Look that up if you don't believe me. Um, instead of sitting down and helping out the people who voted them in there, they, they don't have time for that, so fuck them. But anyway, what I've learned over the years, and I definitely learned it you know, back in 10 years ago after my incident, was um, distractions are very important. And this playoff run by the Islanders was the ultimate distraction. Um, you know, just like, like wow, you know, it, it really was just amazing. I'm sorry it had to come to an end. I'm sorry it had to come to an end against Tampa, who is just loaded, loaded with talent, but they're a bunch of cheap fucks. And you know what's funny? Everyone is so quick to criticize the enforcers. And actually, to me, one of their the cleanest players on that team is Pat Maroon. I guess if you had to pick a resident tough guy on Tampa, it's Pat Maroon. All their star players, I, I don't think Hedman did anything. All the Sergachevs and Gorbachevs and uh, all these other Chevs and Chavs and whatever... They're dirty pricks. I mean, they really are. They're just, they're a dirty, I don't want to say they're a dirty team because it's probably just four or five guys. And I mean, they're not at the level of Radko Gudis or anything like that. But really, you know, chippy, which I don't have anything against, but just, you know, just some of the stuff they pulled in that series didn't sit well with me. But, uh, you know, then you get Pat Maroon, guy's tough as nails, plays an honest game. Everyone's like, oh, the enforcers, <clears throat> enforcers this, enforcers that. Yeah, here's a guy that can beat people up for a living, and he plays an honest game. So, you know, reevaluate that when you want to go off on these guys. You know, just watch that series and see some of the dirty shit that Tampa pulled, and it wasn't Pat Maroon. So, um, obviously, in the Stanley Cup final, I'm rooting for Dallas. And when I say rooting for them, um, when I see the score come across my Twitter feed, if Dallas won, I'll be happy. And if they lost, it's okay, too. I'm not watching any of the games. But, um, you know, Brent Severin has some connections to Dallas, and uh, Rick Bonus is, is a good guy, and it would be nice for him to win the Cup. And uh, Derek Laxdahl, I think, is an assistant coach there. So so there are some Islander ties there. And, and John Cooper, i got to tell you, he seems like a under-the-radar douche. Like some of the comments he, he made in his post-game pressers when they lost, he was just like an impetulant child. But, uh, you know, they, they really are. And listen, I'm not saying anything about the way the guy coaches. And, uh, you know, people like Mick Fakoda have said they've known him and he's a pretty good guy. So so I'll take them for that. But just the few post-game pressers I heard, what what a little what a fucking baby. Like, you know, you can't give – Barry Trotz is out there. I mean, just total class, giving the other team credit. You know, it's almost like he understands that you can credit the other team without taking away anything from your team. I don't know if, if – uh, Cooper understands that, but I guess when he grows up, he will. But uh, but go stars, I guess. Um, just think about this run. Matt Barzal is he's a scary talent. I, I mean, the guy. It seems like he was born with skates on, but 
man, he's got to shoot the puck a little bit more. I mean, he is he's an artist out there, but there were so many times where my wife and I are watching the game and we're just screaming, shoot, and we're not those people at the games that yell shoot every time someone has the puck. We're not. But when Matt Barzal has the puck, and listen, Matt Barzal has more hockey talent in his baby toe than I'll ever have in 10 lifetimes, but... I think he just gets that puck, and he's just such an artist, but sometimes he's just got to shoot, stop looking for the pass. Now, if they get a sniper to play on his line next year, pff, do whatever you have to do, but I just wish Matt Barzal would shoot a little bit more, but he's insanely talented. Um, I just want to talk about um, a guy like Noah Dobson steps in, game six, taking over for Adam Pellick. Kid's 20 years old. He's the same age as my son, and, man, what a good job he did. That kid is going to be good for a long time. Um, obviously, you know how I feel about uh, Ross Johnston, Scott Mayfield. Uh, Ross didn't play a whole ton in the playoffs when he did. I thought he did a great job, and I hope he has an expanded role next year. Uh, Ross can play in this league, and maybe some people don't want to admit it, but I, I think he proved that in the playoffs that he could play in this league, and he doesn't have to fight every night. And um, you know, I hope he has a, a bigger role next year with the team. Um, Scott Mayfield just steady on defense. Um, he's the kind of guy that can play 15 years in this league. Uh, doesn't have to score a ton of goals. Uh, he could just be a, a defensive force back there. And the guy gets better every year. You know how I feel about those guys. Um, same with Anders Lee. What a captain. Um, just gritty, hard-nosed guy. Uh, you know, plays the game the right way. The ultimate leader. Um, you know, I just love those guys. Um, how about Thomas Grice? You know, Thomas Grice, I, I guess barring a miracle, is not coming back. And uh, I just want to say that Thomas Grice has just been really good for this team during his tenure here. I mean, really good. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I mean, it's – it's. listen, if if the Sorokin comes in and, and is as advertised, then it's unfortunate for Thomas Grice and fortunate for Islander fans. But, but Grice has been awesome while he's here and um, just goes out and does his job. And, um, you know, wherever he ends up, I wish him well. Um, Varlamov, or I guess Varlamov, I guess I have to start saying his name right, but, uh, listen, I was critical when they got him, and, uh, based on his past, and, uh, a few people told me that, uh, all the stuff that came out wasn't true, he was kind of being extorted, um, that the, the woman that accused him of all those things, um, actually was just a bullshit artist, and it took me a while to, uh, to get over that, because, you know, I'm always... Most of the time, well, I shouldn't say anymore because in the climate we live in now, uh, anyone can accuse anyone of everything. But I'm pretty, you know, like I said, as far as I live my life is old school. And the minute you hear that someone was sexually abused, I immediately think of the uh, the rapist in the bushes with the ski mask on. And, and my immediate response to that is to blow him away. And um, so I didn't really follow too much of the Varlamov story, um, but um, I kind of realized during the year that it probably wasn't true. And, uh, I mean, the way he played in the playoffs was just mind-blowing, especially those last couple of games. And, I mean, that, that game six, it was just all him. So, um, you know, I was critical when they got him. And uh, But uh, credit where it's due. I mean, this guy's legit. So um, very exciting to have him, uh, have him back there. A um, couple other things. How about Adam Pellick playing all of game five pretty much with a broken wrist? It's fucking bananas. Like, crazy. Breaks his wrist. Early in game five, I, play, I think he played like 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. It's a broken wrist. Like, honestly, is that crazy? A hockey player with a broken wrist. <laughs> Just nuts. I mean, but and that kid is super talented. 
arguably the best player on the team. Just uh, what a bright future for him. And uh, I w- wish him well in his recovery from his broken wrist. And also Casey Sezekis with the detached retina. I mean, Jesus Christ. These, uh, talk about these guys are just warriors. Hockey players are a different level. And uh, I wish Casey well. And um, I want to talk about Matt Martin. So uh, Matt Martin had an amazing playoff. And now he's, a unre- he's an unrestricted free agent. And there was an article in the Post today from Larry Brooks about the Rangers pursuing Matt Martin. And obviously, if you're familiar with Matt Martin, you know who his wife is, Sidney Esiason. And if you know who Sidney Esiason is, you know who her dad is, and that's Boomer Esiason. And you know he's a Ranger fan. And uh, you know that he wants Matt on the Rangers. And and honestly, I think if Ranger fans are honest with themselves, you'd want Matt Martin on the team. Any, any fan of any team would want Matt Martin on their team. And if you say differently, then you're lying to yourself. Um, what a playoff Matt Martin had. And uh, I just hope game six wasn't his last game here. You know, uh, I met Matt 10 years ago uh, after everything happened to me. Uh, he's one of the players that I met, and uh, we keep in touch. And uh, we kept in touch during the, his time in the bubble. And um, just a terrific human being. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope, that his time with the Islanders is not over. I'd be really disappointed if that was the case. Uh, you know, he left once before, and then uh, Lula Amarillo, when he came here, got him right back. And, uh, you know, again, it's like a double-edged sword. If there's a team out there that's going to offer him insane money, and it's way more money than the Islanders offer him, I don't blame him for taking it. Obviously, you know, he's had a great career so far, much longer than the average career, and I'm sure he's made some decent money, and I'm sure I would think he's smart with his money. I mean, I honestly don't know that, but it just seems his whole makeup seems like a responsible guy, a nice guy, just down-to-earth guy. He doesn't seem like someone that is going out there and throwing his money around. So I would guess he's probably pretty smart with his money. I guess he's made some nice coin over, over his career. But, hey, if you can sign your last deal four years or whatever it is, I, I don't know, and make some major coin, go for it. Um I'll always reform. No matter what team he's on, I'll always reform. Uh, I just I just hope that he's back with the Islanders next year. So uh, hopefully him and Luke can sit down and make something happen. But uh, I just pray to God if he leaves, it's not for the Rangers. But, uh, oh, boy, I can't even think about that. You know, you've heard on this show guys like Rich Pilon and Aaron Asham end up with the Rangers, and it's a nightmare. So, Matt, if you're listening to this, please reach out to those guys, and they'll tell you that the grass isn't always greener. Um. And just to get, I want to thank the the players. See, everyone out there is like, oh, the players make millions. They do this. They do that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. In a regular situation, if you want to say that, be my guest. But here's the deal. Let's talk about Matt Martin, for instance. Right before they leave for the bubble, Matt Martin, his wife, Sydney, has a baby girl. And I don't know, what did he have? Maybe two days with her? And now he has to leave to go to the bubble. And yes, I know. He makes very good money. Okay, yes. But he's a man first. He's a father. He's a husband. So if you don't think him leaving to go, uh, who know, it's, it's open-ended because you leave eight weeks ago. You could be there 10, 10, 11 weeks. And that's 10, 11 weeks without seeing your wife, without seeing your kids. It's a sacrifice. So I think people have to sort of separate the whole, they make millions of dollars and separate that from the person. Okay, um, I think Eberly 
Uh, Eberly had a baby. Well, his wife had a baby shortly before he left for the bubble. Uh, Leo Komarov's wife had a baby while he was in the bubble. This is real-life stuff. I, I think people get so wrapped up in their fandom that they don't take a second to go, yeah, this is a sacrifice. And it's not just the players. It's the coaches. It's the staff. Uh, Scott Box is the head equipment manager. I've known him a long time, back from his days with the uh, Norfolk Admirals. That's a sacrifice. He has a family. So as an Islander fan, I just want to thank the players and the coaches and the staff that were in the bubble for their sacrifice. And it was a sacrifice, yes. They make good money. They're people. They have families. Think about it. Be away from your family for upwards of two months. Yeah, you have FaceTime or Skype, whatever it is. It's not the same. I don't like being away from my family for two hours. And now you're going to ask me to be away for two months? That's a fucking sacrifice. So stop with the they make millions of dollars bullshit. It's a sacrifice. Fuck. And especially for... These guys are young. They have young kids. These are the formative years. So... To the Islander organization, to the Islander players, to the coaches, to the staff, thank you for doing what you just did. Finally, yesterday, um, which was the 19th or two days ago, whenever you're listening to this, uh, was my son Joey's 20th birthday. Uh, He's my first kid. He made me a father. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to get into this because you're going to start to hear my voice crack. But, whew, happy birthday, buddy. And, uh... The unfortunate side of that is on the same day as the anniversary that uh, Todd Ewan passed away. It was five years on the 19th. And, um, you know, there's been a lot written about um, Todd's suicide. And uh, it's true, but the whole truth is not out there. So please, um, there is a guy that writes for The Athletic who I am not a fan of, who obviously, as I said, cannot take constructive criticism, that wrote a pretty in-depth article But when you read it, it sort of seems like it's um, an infomercial for Todd's widow. Um, And there's plenty of stuff in this incident that has not been made public that that probably should. But uh, it doesn't fit the narrative. But I'm not going to go into that. Just, uh, you know, just say um, remembering Todd five years ago, um, you know, never forgotten. And I hope he's resting in peace right now because I know uh, for a good portion of his life that he had anything but peace in his life. So... Um, hopefully he has that now and, um, and that's it for my, uh, introduction. Let's see. How long have we been recording now? Huh, 37 minutes. All right. Let's get to the business at hand. The top 10 toughest Islanders, right wings. We're going to jump right into it. So as you know, uh, we start with the honorable mentions. I have four today, four honorable mentions. One honorable mention. Number one, Justin Johnson. JJ played one game for the Islanders. No, one season. Look at me. I can't even read. Starting off great. One season for the Islanders. Two games. Seven penalty minutes. And obviously, you've all seen the fight with John Scott. Now, John Scott, I don't know. I don't know. And I've spoken to a few other fight fans. And we're kind of in the same boat. John Scott's a tough guy. Don't get me wrong. He is. Um, and, and the whole thing with uh, the All-Star Game thing, uh, I think it's great how he handled that. I think it was horseshit how they, they fucked with that guy. But I, he took it and ran with it, and honestly, I don't think he could have done a better job. Um, some people rank John Scott like he's uh, Derek Bugard based on the size, or I don't want to say Bob Probert. That's going a little too extreme. But I don't have John Scott as highly rated as some people do. But the guy's a tough dude. At that point, 
when him and Justin Johnson met up, uh, definitely already firmly established as a league heavyweight. And, um, well, you've seen the fight. He put John Scott down. And uh, according to John Scott, I think that's the only fight he's ever lost. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but but that's what he says. So if that's the case, if John Scott has gone his whole career with one loss and it came at the hands of Justin Johnson, then that makes it even better for JJ. Um, Justin Johnson, career minor leaguer uh, from Anchorage, Alaska, makes the big time, plays two games, puts down John Scott. Uh, he also had two fights that preseason. He fought Cam Jansen of the Devils and Mark Barowiecki of Ottawa. So um, he's had those fights. In the, and then he played in Bridgeport. I mean, him and Brett Gallant were a pretty formidable duo in Bridgeport. Um, but Justin Johnston, um, obviously, you know, with only the two games played in his Islander career, would never crack this list, you know, based on the uh, the, the lifespan of the Islander organization. But uh, that was a pretty big moment. It was a great moment to see. And uh, I got to give him honorable mention. And um, in case you're wondering, Justin Johnston, Johnson is tied for 39th all-time in Islanders fighting majors with one. JJ, honorable mention number one. Honorable mention number two is a former guest of the show, Robbie DeMaio. So Rob DeMaio has spent four, well, he has spent, he spent four seasons with the Islanders, played 74 games, 75 penalty minutes, had four fights. We talked about all four of these fights when he was on the show. Um, Al Secord was his first NHL fight. That was the first time I had seen, uh, I'd seen Robbie fight um, live. And uh, wow, that was amazing. Uh, and then that was 88-89. And then years later, 91-92, had three fights, uh, bloodied Steve Leach, beat Sean Burr, but the one everybody knows, and this is the one if you're going to go check on YouTube. By the way, go check out the Justin Johnson and um, John Scott fight on YouTube if you've never seen it. It's fucking awesome. But while you're there, definitely check out Robbie DeMaio against Darren Kimball. Um, Darren is a guy I have known for years, and I love him, and, and uh, I don't have to defend him. It's not like he needs defending, but I will pump that guy's tires till the cows come home because in the world that uh, is the hockey fight community, I, I think he is grossly underrated. I think he's, uh, I think he's amazing. And uh, Robbie and, and Kimby had an amazing toe-to-toe fight, and I was here at the Coliseum again. I was there for that game. That was amazing. Um, I love Sal, Italian boy. Um, definitely, uh, definitely worth an honorable mention. Really, you know, he had some fights in the minors when he was here and, uh, definitely had a ton of fights outside of the Islander organization. Um, you know, a guy on the smaller side, like a Bobby Bass, and I would have loved to have both of those guys be career Islanders, but, uh, go back and listen to the Rob DeMaio episode. If you haven't heard that one yet, Robbie DeMaio gets honorable mention number two, honorable mention number three. Jimmy Cummins. Now, Jimmy and I go way back. When Jimmy was traded here, I was pumped. Absolutely pumped. Jimmy played 11 games for the Islanders, uh, 10 regular season, one playoff, 40 penalty minutes, 31 of those in the regular season, three regular season fights, and the one postseason fight against Ty Domi in that amazing, amazing playoff series against Toronto. Um Regular season fights against Sean Hines, Matthew Barnaby, and Del Purinton. He jumped right into that Ranger Islander rivalry with those uh, fights. Did I say rivalry funny? Rivalry. Jumped right into the rivalry. Had fights with Barnaby and Purinton. First Islander fight against Sean Hines. And then, of course, like I said, fought uh, Ty Domi. Uh, I mean, Jimmy's just a battler. He's a warrior. 
Um, just totally old school. I mean, I can go on and on about Jim Cummins, and uh, I may do that in the future. But Jimmy uh, is 37th all-time, tied for 37th all-time in Islander fighting majors with three. And actually, I forgot to say Rob DeMaio's tied for 36th all-time in Islander fighting majors with four. But Jimmy, always toe-to-toe, uh, wins some, loses some, but you're never disappointed. Uh, I guess he's the opposite of Brashear. Um, you know, listen, Donald Brashear is an all-timer. You can't really dispute that. The guy is uh, guy's an all-time. You know, some people have him in their top ten, uh, but most people get frustrated. Unless you're um, a certain friend of mine from Vancouver or a lot of people that, that do like Don. But uh, the big knock on Brashear is that he liked to hug a little bit, and uh, Jimmy's the opposite of that. So um, you can pretty much go down the Jim Cummins rabbit hole on YouTube and, and pick a fight out. I mean, he's had some great bouts with Chris Murray, um, just whatever. Anyone, go go watch Jimmy Cummins' fights. Definitely check out his fights while he was an Islander. Jim Cummins is my third honorable mention for the top 10 toughest Islanders right-wingers. Honorable mention number four. Here's a guy. Oh, boy. what uh, He played uh, here for four years, and um, the dude did it all. To me, definition of a power forward. How about Steve Thomas? Um didn't fight a whole lot, but for a guy that scored the points that he did, he fought just enough. <clears throat> this is a guy who played four seasons, 275 games, 381 penalty minutes, had 17 fights. <laughs> Steve Thomas, I'll always remember the fight he had with Chris Simon because he got after the fight, he's got blood everywhere and everything. Doesn't even blink. Fighting the monster, Chris Simon. Some of the other guys Steve Thomas has fought while he was an Islander. Uh, Chris King, Dale Kushner. Brent Thompson, the current coach of the Sound Tigers. Uh, Peter Taglianetti, Troy Millette, Lyle Odeline, uh, Dennis Vial. Oh, Taglianetti again. Uh, Brent Hughes, um, Kevin Kaminsky, Enrico Ciccone, Dallas Eakins, former Islander, and, of course, the fight I mentioned against uh, Chris Simon. I mean, Steve Thomas, I mean, dude's good for 30 goals a year. He doesn't take shit from anybody. You could play him on the top line, and, you know, he'll get you – 70 80 points a year he'll have four or five fights a year he hits he did everything just really really uh he could definitely have been in my top 10 but because that wasn't his primary job i couldn't really take out someone whose primary job it was to put in steve thomas but there's a reason why he's my last honorable mention because if this was a top 11 he would definitely be number 11 um steve thomas 32nd all time in penalty minutes with the club with 381. He is 24th all-time in fighting majors with his 17, and he was the 1993-94 Bobby Nystrom Award winner. And obviously that's not the Hart Trophy, but as far as Islander awards go, I don't think it gets much better than the Bobby Nystrom Award. So uh, my final honorable mention, and if this was a top 11, would be number 11, Stevie Thomas. I love having Stumpy here. Great player, just a warrior. So now... We're going to dive in to the official Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box, top 10 toughest New York Islanders right wings. And we go number 10, Brett Lindros. And when I think of Brett Lindros, it's it's with some, it's sadness. And I don't mean sadness like, you know, your kid stubbed their toe or anything, but it's a hockey sadness because I honestly think Brett Lindros could have really been something special with this team. And uh, I think he was totally mismanaged. I think he was totally miscast and totally misused. Um, 
I get it from the business point of view, the Lindros name. It sells tickets. Uh, it has cachet in the hockey world. Um, but this kid really would have benefited from a little more time in junior if he had any more junior years. I imagine he did. Could have played an overage year. Uh, probably would have benefited a little bit from playing in the minors. Now, I know there's two sides of that coin as far as putting Brett Lindros in the minors where he's going to be fighting guys every night and maybe not developing. But there, he's he wouldn't be different from other guys in the same position. And um, I honestly wish that he would have uh, played again in junior, played a little bit in the minors, but, you know, they rushed him in right away. And um, ultimately, Brett paid the price. Uh, two seasons with the Islanders, 51 games, 147 penalty minutes, and eight fights. Uh, we've all seen the Paul Laws fights. Uh, really, really uh, nice rivalry there with Paul. They fought twice, and, um, you know, all of Brett's fights were wide open. And that was sort of the problem where it kind of led to his demise. I mean, Brett's a huge man, um, great kid. When he was here, I spoke to him a bunch of times. Actually met his dad, Carl, a couple of times. Really, really nice guy. If if you're old enough to remember um, when Eric went to Philadelphia and you always heard the Flyers sort of uh, not love Bonnie Lindros, the mom, I guess she was acting as the agent a lot, and I guess she was a tough lady. Um, I never met Bonnie. I, it seemed like Bonnie kind of handled Eric's stuff and Carl kind of handled Brett's stuff. And I don't know if that was the case, but that's how it appeared. And Carl was just this big, lovable guy and really, really nice guy, humble, um, really, really cool guy. And Brett was really cool too while he was here, which makes it even worse because if the guy was a douche, you can always sort of rationalize it in your head like, ah, oh, fuck that guy. But what a good kid Brett was. And, uh, man, he really... I would have loved to see what he could have developed into. I, I mean, based on his junior career, I don't think there's any reason why Brett Lindros couldn't have developed into, uh, you know, like a, a pure power forward, 20-goal uh, scorer, um, you know, probably getting 100, 130 pims a year, maybe having 8 to 12 fights. I honestly believe those are realistic expectations for what Brett Lindros could have become if he wasn't rushed. But unfortunately, he was. Very short career. Um like I said, fought Paul Laws twice, uh, fought Mark Bergevin, Francois LaRue, the Chief Scott Daniels, Chris Tamer, Dean Malcock. So he's fighting the big boys when he was in there, and unfortunately uh, he had to retire early. I would love uh, – uh, well, I may as well get it out of the way, all right? I'd love to get all these guys on the show that are in this top ten that haven't been on the show. Um, but Brett's story would – I mean, it would really be interesting because I'd love to – I'd love to hear about, you know, what the projection from when he was in the OHL to when he got drafted to what the Islanders may have said they wanted from him and then ultimately, unfortunately, his post-career. I, I hope he's doing well. I hope he's doing okay. I know he had a lot of concussion problems, but uh, ultimately it's the man I'm more concerned about than the athlete, so I hope he's doing really well. Um, Brett Lindros, 10th toughest Islander right winger, in my opinion, of all time. Number nine. Number nine is a guy that I've recently reached out to via text and email. I don't know if either one of those is still in use. I also don't know if he's just ignoring me. He doesn't know who I am, and why would he? That is the wrecker, Joel Recklage. Now, if you know Joel, please let him know I'm trying to get him on the show. <laughs> let him know to check his text or his email, and that the weirdo that doesn't know him that reached out to him is a pretty good guy. But uh, that is number nine, the wrecker, Joel Recklage. Joel played two seasons with the Islanders, parts of two seasons, obviously. 
23 games, 95 penalty minutes, and 16 fights, including the preseason. So let's get into this a little bit. In 2008-2009, 17 games, 8 fights. Tom Katsopoulos, Mike Fisher, John Scott, Riley Cote, John Erskine, George LaRocque, Zenon Kanopka, and Timmy Conboy. That was his. That was the part of the season he played with the Islanders in 08-09. I mean, those are some pre- pretty tough dudes on that list. You know, talk about Erskine and Riley Cote and George LaRocque and Z on there. Yeah, there's some pretty bad dudes on there. Um, go to the next year in the preseason, five fights. I mean, it only gets tougher. Steve McIntyre fought him twice. Andrew Peters fought him twice. And uh, Pierre Letourneau, LeBlond, uh, PLL fought him also. And then you go to 09-10, six fights, uh, six games, 27 minutes, three fights. Uh, Ivanins from L.A., Mike Rupp, and Eric Goddard. So, uh, I mean, the Wreckers, Wreckers resume stands on his own. I mean, it's it goes way beyond these games and these fights that he played with the Islanders. This guy's a tough dude. Uh, I think him and, and Trevor Gillies are buddies, and uh, uh, Joel has a brother who also played. Uh, tough guy. Uh, you know, Joel's uh, tenure here was very short, but it was very eventful, and uh, every time he dropped the gloves, uh, get goosebumps because uh, you never knew what was going to happen. Uh, but uh, Joel Recklage tied for the team lead in uh, preseason fighting majors that one year in 2009-10 uh, with five. Um, and he is tied for 29th for career fighting majors with the Islanders with 11. So obviously I said he had the 16 fights. Five of those are preseason, 11 regular season. But uh, Wrecker, if you're out there, answer me back. I'd love to get you on the show. Uh, that is my number nine top ten toughest Islander right wing. Number eight is a guy who I think it's a combination of things based on the years he played with the Islanders, and he's not a and and, and his persona, um, he doesn't get a lot of ink. He doesn't get a lot of notoriety. But this guy was nothing but nails for the Islanders, and he sort of goes under the radar because he's played with other teams in the NHL, and. I guess it's good in a way because no one ever goes, oh, this guy sucks, whatever. But you knew when you had Tim Jackman in the lineup that he was going to defend all the other guys. You you knew you had at least one guy in the lineup that was going to come to the defense of his teammates. Uh, Tim Jackman, uh, 2007-8, started with the Islanders in the preseason, had three fights. Garth Murray, Matt Carrenti, and Aaron Asham, former guest of the show, friend of the show. Um that's that was it. Started his Islanders career that season. Thirty six games, fifty seven pims, nine fights. Um, led the team with those nine fights in the thirty six games. Uh, fought guys like David Clarkson, Jeremy Reach, Adam Mayer, Steve Montador, uh, Zach Stortini, Ethan Morrow. Tough guys, really tough guys. And the Islanders were not very good during Tim Jackman's tenure. So I'm sure there were some really long nights. And doing the enforcer job on on nights where your team is not that great. Uh, it makes the nights even longer, but uh, and it's a thankless job. But uh, Jackman did it, no worries, no problems. Uh, we move on to his next year, preseason of 2008-9, tied for the team lead in fights. Excuse me, uh, Tanner Glass, Sheldon Brookbank, and then that season, uh, his his biggest season with the Islanders, 2008-2009, 69 games. I know my son Dominic would like that. Right now, if he's listening, he said nice. Uh, 155 penalty minutes led the team. 19 fighting majors led the team. I mean, this is really an underrated season. It's sort of an under-the-radar season 
for an Islander enforcer the 0809 Tim Jackman season because, like I said, they weren't very good. And he's not a, a flashy guy, so I think a lot of times it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, which is one of the reasons why I like doing the show because I don't know if I have one person listening or 100 people listening or 1,000 people listening, but uh, there's got to be someone out here to talk about these guys, and, and Tim Jackman is definitely one of those guys. And this season that he had with the Islanders is definitely worth talking about. 69 games, 155 PIMS, 19 penalty minutes, uh, 19 fighting majors. Um, Chris Neal, Rob Davison, twice Bryce Salvador. Uh, Shane Knighty, Chris Thorburn twice. Um, he fought DeVoe with Toronto, uh, fought Thority with the Bruins, uh, fought Aaron Asham two more times when uh, Asham was with Philly. Um, Timmy Conboy. Uh, I mean, just everybody fought a ton of guys. And uh, like I said, it, the season sort of goes under the radar. And, and, and people, listen, Tim Jackman is a warrior. He, he just goes out there and he does his job. His final season with the Islanders, uh, two fights in the preseason. Uh, Garth Murray, again, uh, I don't know if there's anything personal with them. Uh, and then that season in uh, 2009-10, played 54 games, had 98 PIMS, uh, led the team again with 10 fights. Uh, Mike Rupp, um, Gustad, Paul Gustad with Buffalo. I am never going to say that guy's name right. I always trip over his name. Like, it's just, it, it's a mental block with me. I don't know what it is, but I'm always going to fuck up Gustad. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Ryan Clough with the Sharks, Monador again, uh, Clarkson again, Thornton again, Shane Knighty again, uh, Engeland, Matt Carenti again. So there's a pattern here. Tim Jackman, tough guy, takes on anybody. Uh, 47th all-time in Islander penalty minutes with 310. Like I said, he led the team in penalty minutes once with 155. Uh, led the team all three seasons in fighting majors. Uh, played three years with the Islanders, led the team in fights all three years. Um, tied for the team lead in preseason fights once. Uh, and he's 12. Think about the Islander history here. Think about all the tough guys who have played that you can rattle off on your head right now. And I, I told you, I think Tim Jackman is just off the radar here. Tim Jackman is 12th all-time in career fighting majors uh, for the Islanders. He has 38. So, um, And, of course, you know one of these years. And, again, like I said, his big year was 08, 09. 2008-2009, Bobby Nystrom award, uh, award winner. Obviously, it's not just Gustav that I trip over. But, I, I mean, let's give Tim Jackman some credit here. Absolutely a warrior and, um, you know, definitely worthy of my top 10. He uh, falls in right at number 8 on my top 10 toughest Islanders right wingers. We move on to number 7. Now, number 7 is a guy who, if you are with on Long Island, you are probably not buying any drinks this dude is like the mayor out here. He's someone that everybody loves. The players love. The fans love. He's just an icon. I mean, really, arguably one of the most popular players to have played for this organization outside of the dynasty years, and that's Steve Webb. Webby, number seven. I have not reached out to Webby yet to be on the show. It's sort of, sort of weird to me to uh, just tweet at a guy and, and ask him if they'll be on the show. And if their messages aren't open, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I might have to ask someone that uh, we're, you know, Webb and I have a mutual friend if maybe they could reach out for me. But I would love to get Steve Webb on the show. But um, Steve Webb is a guy, when you mention his name to any Islander fan that was old enough to have seen him play, all they do is smile because all you do is think about the hitting. Dude is a human pinball machine. And uh, a great story, too. I mean, the guy's playing in the Colonial League. And uh, just works his way up to, through the IHL, through the AHL, 
and uh, ended up playing three hundred over 300 games with the Islanders, uh, played some games in Pittsburgh. But let's break down Steve Webb a little bit here. So Steve Webb, 96-97, for all the bad that Mike Milbury, I associate bad things with Mike Milbury with this Islander team, Steve Webb is one of the good things because I think, uh, and, and that's another thing I'd like to ask Webby about was Mike Milbury because Mike really was the guy who, who gave Steve Webb a chance here, I, I believe. And um, I always felt like it was it was Mike trying to find a replacement for Mick Vakoda. Uh, if you listen to the Vakoda episodes, uh, Mike wasn't a big fan. I don't know if, it was, if he was jealous because uh, he, he would never be as tough as Mick or never be as handsome or as manly. I don't know what Mike's issue was with Mick, um, but uh, I'm sure it had to do with a lot of his insecurities. But I always felt like as soon as Mike took over, he was trying to find a replacement for Mick. And I wasn't sure if Steve Webb was one of those guys, but he brought Webb in. And, and, and what a first season that Webb had. 41 games, 144 penalty minutes, and he led the team with 20 fights. Now, if you go back and look at that season, Steve Webb did not win a ton of fights that first year. But Steve Webb fought killers. I mean, always fought killers. I mean, he fights some guys down. I mean, Steve Webb was a he was an in-shape dude. He was he was big, you know, in terms of his muscle mass and everything, but he wasn't very tall. Okay, but he like he was like just a a a guy that's in shape that has no fear. So let's talk about some of the guys he fought that first year with the Islanders. Uh, Neil Wilkinson of Pittsburgh. A guy you may be familiar with, Eric Cairns, who was just coming into his own with the Rangers. That fight didn't go great for Webb, but you know what he did after the fight? He got up, took off his helmet, skated off. No problem. Uh, Mike Peluso, Kelly Chase, Stu Grimson, Ken Baumgartner, Reed Simpson, Lyle Odeline twice, Phil Crow, Rob Ray, Chris Tamer, Denny Lambert, Brant Myers, Paul Laws, Dan Cordick. He fought a few other guys, but I just wanted to highlight the assassins that Steve Webb fought in his first year in the NHL. I'd have to go back and watch them, see how many of them he actually won. Anyone that knows the enforcer game knows it's not about winning. It's about showing up. And Steve Webb, I would venture to guess, was the smaller guy in every fight that I just named. Probably closest in size to Kelly Chase or Danny Lambert. Steve Webb doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't care. He doesn't care who it is. He's going to fight to rally his team. He's going to fight to come into the defense of a teammate. And I venture to guess that some of those fights probably happened where the guy he fought came in to grab Stevie after he laid a huge hit on somebody. But um, that first year, Steve Webb made a name for himself with this club. And uh, and really, it just set the legend off in, in motion because he he really is a guy that Islander fans just still love to this day. And uh, that was just his first year. Um, Steve Webb has played a total of 316 games, 530 penalty minutes, and 55 fights, including preseason. So let's just rattle off some of the other guys he's fought because as if that first season wasn't enough. How about Christoph Oliwa, um, Eric Lindros, Brian McCabe, We've already mentioned guys like Paul Laws and Kelly Chase. He fought those guys multiple times. Uh, let's throw Craig Berube into the mix and Scott Stevens and Darren McCarty and Louis DeBrusque and Gino Ojic and Sylvain Bluen and Darcy Hortichuk and Dale Purinton. Uh, how about Brad May and Kevin Sawyer and Ryan Vandenbush and Joey Tedarenko and Brad Brown and Reed Lowe? I mean, the, the list of killers that Webby fought 
is insane. So we always talk about fight cards with guys, and we talk about who's on this guy's fight card, who's on that guy's fight card. Um, Webb's fight card takes the backseat to nobody. And uh, it was really just great having him here during the time he was here. So, you know, he had other seasons here with the Islanders, uh, 97-98, 20 games, 35 pims, 5 fights. 98-99, 45 games, 32 pims, 2 fights. Uh, 99-2000, 65 games, 103 pims, 7 fights. Um, 2001-02, 60 games, 104 penalty minutes, 8 fights. 02-03, 49 games, 75 penalty minutes, 5 fights. Guy led the team in fighting majors once. He tied for the team lead in fighting majors once. Led the team in preseason fighting majors once. He's ninth in Islanders history. Think about that. Ninth in the history of the Islanders organization in fights with 52. He's 20th all time in Islander penalty minutes with 530. And you know he's got a Bob Nystrom award on his resume. He won that award in 2001-02. Bob Nystrom Award winner. So I don't think Steve Webb listens. I don't know why, of course, but I don't think he listens. But if anyone is listening that knows Steve Webb, please let him know. I would love to get him on the show. Steve Webb, number seven, all-time toughest Islanders right wings. Number six is another guy that I think gets forgotten. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that he played in the 80s with the team. He came in after the uh, glory years. Uh, He didn't play on some great teams, a little undersized for the role. Uh, but again, it's it's something I want to talk about because I think that's part of my gig here is to bring life to some of these guys who um, don't get the credit. So number six is Alan Kerr, a good Western boy. Alan Kerr played seven seasons with the Islanders, 340 games, 716 penalty minutes, and 54 fights. Um, Alan Kerr, let's see. First, this is how old Alan Kerr is, and I think I'm older than him, but this is how, all right, let's say this is how far back Alan Kerr goes. Alan Kerr's second NHL fight was against Colin Campbell. So you know Colin Campbell. He's had many hats, uh, worn many hats with the NHL. You all know that name. You know his son plays for the Bruins now. Um, His third NHL fight, Don Maloney. If you're an Islander fan, you know Don Maloney was the GM here for a while. So so that's how far back Alan Kerr goes. also fought guys like Perry Anderson and Jimmy Kite, Don Jackson, uh, Larry Playfair, Mel Bridgman, Willie Plett, Steve Thomas, another uh, uh, person on this list, Uh, Neil Sheehy, Jimmy Kite again. Uh, And Jim Kite, by the way, you got to know Jim Kite for more than the Joe Koser fight. Jim Kite was an absolute madman with Winnipeg, absolute killer. That's when Alan Kerr fought him when he was with Winnipeg. Um, Gary Roberts, Donnie Knockbauer, Terry Karkner, uh, Dave Brown, I'm sure you've all heard of him. He's a pretty tough guy. Um, Jim Pavese, Dan Frawley, Steve Rooney, uh, Stephen Finn, Jeff Bukaboom, Joe Patterson, Rick Tockett, Dave Richter, Peter Bukovic, Gerard Gallant, Ronnie Stern, Al Secord, Scott Stevens, Jim Paplinski, Kenny the Bomber, Baumgartner, uh, Steve Thomas again, uh, Brent Hughes, when uh, Brent was at Winnipeg, apparently Alan Kerr had something with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Jay Wells, Dwayne Sutter, so Alan Kerr, and again, Alan Kerr is a guy like Steve Webb. I think he's a little taller than Webby. Uh, undersized guy. Alan Kerr did not give a fuck. Alan Kerr fought everybody. Alan Kerr, his career high with the Islanders in fights was uh, 19 in 86-87. Uh, tied with the Colonel, Brian Kern, that year for the team lead in fights. Also had a 16-fight season with the Islanders. 
Uh, career high in penalty minutes with the Islanders, 198 in 87-88. So uh, he led the team in penalty minutes one time that 87-88 that year. Uh, led the team in fights, like I said, um, that year also, 16. Uh, tied for the team lead in fights with the Colonel, like I said, 86-87. Uh, Alan Kerr, 8th. Ranks 8th in the history of the franchise with 53 fighting majors and ranks 13th all-time in penalty minutes with the Islanders with 691. Under-the-radar guy, Alan Kerr. Do some research on the guy because, um, you know, like I said, he played in the mid-'80s. Uh, last season with the Islanders was 90-91. You may not know too much about him, but definitely do some research. Very, very tough guy, undersized guy. Alan Kerr, number 6, all-time toughest Islander right wings. So now we get into the top five. Number five. Somebody near and dear to my heart, a former guest, an old friend, Aaron Asham, number five. And now if he listens, I'm wondering if he's happy with his ranking at number five or if he thinks he should be higher. I'm going to definitely check. Ash, if you're listening, shoot me a text. Let me know what you think. I'd be curious to know if I complimented you or insulted you. But Aaron Asham, number five. I have long talked about how happy I was and how happy my wife was uh, when Aaron Ashton was acquired, especially because he was acquired for the floater and the guy who married Tchaikovsky. What a steal that was for the Islanders. Aaron played an even 300 games for the Islanders, 315 penalty minutes and 21 fights. Uh, first season with the Islanders, 2002-2003, 78 games, 57 penalty minutes, five fights. Who'd he fight? Eric Bolton, Mike Rupp, Rhett Warner, Scott Hartnell, Matt Barnaby. That was the first time that him and Barney had fought, and uh, they had a nice little rivalry going uh, while Ash was here. Well, actually, no, it started when Ash was at Montreal, um, but that was the first time he fought him here with the Islanders, uh, and the, the Ash and Barnaby fights are always worth the price of admission. We'll move on to 2003-2004. Uh, uh, 79 games, 92 penalty minutes, 8 fights. Uh, Jason Williams, David Hale, Chris Neal, Yuri Slager, Tom Katsopoulos, Matt Barnaby again, uh, the big human Jarrett Burnett, and uh, Craig Adams. 2005-2006, uh, 63 games, 103 penalty minutes, three fights. Um, you may have heard of these guys. Brendan Witt, Mike Richards, uh, that was Richards' first NHL fights, and uh, Cam Jansen. You've heard of Cam Jansen. You know, I'm surprised that fight's still not going on. Jansen has stamina for days. Finally, 2006-2007, uh, Ash plays in his Islander career high of 80 games, 63 penalty minutes, tied for the team lead in fights, fought Cam Jansen's twice. twice. Jesus, I'm tripping over my tongue here. Um, Mike Richards again, Craig Adams again, and his last fight with the Islanders was Darren Reed. Um, I give these numbers for a reason. You're going to have some guys that have these crazy numbers, and you have guys like Asham who – had 315 PIMS in 300 games. Um, he had, you know, two of his seasons with the Islanders, he barely cracked 60 minutes. He had 57 and 63. He's a guy that didn't take a lot of stupid penalties, and when he took the penalties, they counted. They made the penalties counted for something, and a lot of these penalty minutes he took, there were fives going the other way too. Ashton was a smart player. He could play. He could hit. He could score. 15 goals his first year with the Islanders. I mean, just an all-around threat. And um, that's why I say, you know, it was an absolute steal. And and I talked about it. I've talked about it before, and I talked about it in the episode that I had with Asham when uh, my wife and I were at the draft party, and uh, they announced the trade. 
and the two of us are going bananas and everyone around us is like who the fuck did we just get and we gave up marius oh my god and uh because i think sometimes people fall in love with guys for different reasons and uh marius wasn't a bad player i just don't think he gave a shit and he put up decent numbers and then people are like oh my god who's this guy we got and we're losing the great marius yeah marius spent some time in the american league the following year so uh you know think about that but Asham, who's a tremendous follow on Twitter, by the way. 45th all-time in Islander penalty minutes with 315. Uh, tied for the team lead in fighting majors once, like I said, 2006-2007 with Fide. Fide. Five. That's what I get for trying to read ahead. And he is tied for 22nd all-time in fighting majors in the history of the franchise with his 21. So, um, I don't need to pump Ash's tires. Listen to the episode. I think I do enough of that. I love the guy. Um, you know, if you want to talk Asham, just I'll do it all day. I love him. And uh, he's number five on my list of top ten toughest Islanders in the right wing. Number four. And I know my buddy Mark Fishbein is going to be happy. I don't know if he thought I was going to forget about him. But there's no way you can forget about a Sutter brother. Number four is Dwayne Sutter. And I know a lot of people don't like Dwayne Sutter, and you don't like him because he did his job. Dwayne Sutter was a pest. Dwayne Sutter was not a heavyweight, but he's a Sutter brother, and you know what that means. He's hard-nosed. He's tenacious. I personally think that Dwayne Sutter, out of the six Sutter brothers, I would put Dwayne Sutter as the second-best fighter amongst the brothers, uh, I would think that Brian Sutter was probably the best fighter amongst the six. They're all tough. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't want to say he's the second toughest Sutter brother because they're all tough. Even Brent, you remember Brent Sutter was here and he was known mostly for him being the captain and the goals that he scored. But Brent Sutter was pretty tenacious himself. Uh, not as tenacious, say, as Dwayne. They definitely played different roles. Uh, but if I had to rank the brothers in terms of their, their fighting ability... I would definitely give Brian the nod as the, as the best fighter, and I would put Dwayne number two out of the six. And uh, what does Dwayne have with the Islanders? He has four Stanley Cup rings. But before we get to that, let's talk about that. So he debuts with the Islanders in 79-80. He plays 56 games, 55 penalty minutes, seven fights. Uh, some of these names, because, um, like I said, he started in the 70s, they may not be familiar to you depending on how old you are. But make no mistake about it, Jimmy Mann with Winnipeg, tough guy. Mike Gillis with Colorado, and that's not the uh, Avalanche. That's the Rockies. Um, Dave Shand with Atlanta. Uh, Steve Kristoff, Steve Vickers. Uh, th that was his first season with the Islanders. Now, that playoff season, uh, Islander fans may be familiar with that 79-80 playoff run. Uh, he played 21 games. Uh, he bumped up his penalty minutes, so he went from 56 regular season games to 21 playoff games. 55 regular season penalty minutes to 74 playoff penalty minutes. And to me, this is Dwayne Sutter was always, I mean, he earned his nickname dog for a reason, but come playoff time, it was just, it, it was amped up just that much more. That's when you saw the best Dwayne Sutter was during these cup runs and, and the playoff series. Boy, did he get under the other team's skin big time. Uh, playoffs, six fights. He had seven in the regular season. He had six fights in the playoffs. Uh, Mark Hardy, Jimmy Watson of the Flyers, Mel Bridgman of the Flyers, um, and some douche named Mike Milbury fought him three times in the playoffs. So uh, that was a pretty eventful first year with Dwayne Sutter. And like I said, it all culminated with the Stanley Cup ring. Uh, he's had other seasons where, I mean, as, as high in penalty minutes with the Islanders, 
what I have here is 174 penalty minutes, uh, 13 fights that year. That was his. Uh, he led the team that year with 13. Um, but he's had seasons of 100 penalty minutes, 118 penalty minutes. Uh, like I said, 174 penalty minutes, 157 penalty minutes. His last season with the Islanders was 86-87 before he went to Chicago. So this is a guy now that has been through the wars for several years. Plays 80 games, 169 penalty minutes, 13 fights. I mean, just talk about some of the guys that he's fought. Let me go through his career here. Um, let me pick out some of the bigger names. And again, some of these guys you, you may not know or whatever, but they're they're pretty tough. And remember, like I, I'll name a guy like Norman Rochefort, who was not known as a fighter, was not known as a heavyweight. But back then, guys fought. Like I said, you know, when I did my uh, centers episode and I talk about a guy like Bob Bourne, you wouldn't necessarily associate a guy like Bob Bourne with toughness. Like the first thing I think of with Bob Bourne is just a skating. Um, but everybody back then fought for themselves. I mean, you had obviously guys that, like on the Islanders back then, Howard and Nystrom and Gillies where you defended your teammates. But everybody back then, it's not like today where guys are petrified to fight except for a handful of guys. So when I say a guy like Norman Rochefort, you may not go, well, you may go, well, he's not super heavyweight. But remember, Dwayne Sutter wasn't a heavyweight. Dwayne Sutter was a middleweight. Um, but let's talk about it. Jimmy Watson, uh, Norman Rochefort, Eddie Johnstone, Paul Baxter, Pat Price, uh, Darcy Rhoda. I mean, Pat Price again twice a couple seasons later. Uh, Greg Adams, uh, Tony Felcher, and he fought Dugues, Ron Dugay. You know, I'm sure there were probably some words said before that fight. Uh, Mario Marwa, Jimmy Paplinski, Scott Stevens. The best thing about Scott Stevens being a capital is he shows up, at a capital and a devil before my voice cracked there. Uh, he shows up on a lot of these guys' fight cards, but yet people still doubt how tough Scott Stevens was. Um, Daryl Stanley, underrated tough guy. Guys who fought Daryl Stanley or played with Daryl Stanley or are fight nerds like myself know how tough Daryl Stanley is. I think the average fight fan really doesn't know just how tough that fucking guy was. Tough as nails, Daryl Stanley. Kevin McClellan twice. Uh, let's see. Ben Wilson. You've heard of him, I hope. Tory Robertson. Uh, John Blum. Perry Turnbull. Uh, Brad Marsh. Uh, Greg Adams again. Rick Tockett. Joe Patterson. Stephen Finn. Wolf Paymont. Larry Melnick. Again, Tory Robertson. Scott Stevens again. Um, Lou Francis Getty. Uh, oh, there's a goalie on here. Clint Malarchuk, Quebec. Everybody knows Clint Malarchuk's story, I hope. Uh, my favorite fight, I'd have to go back and watch it because I don't remember what happened, but he fought Ulf Samuelson, who I fucking loathe. Hate that motherfucker. Uh, Nevin Marquardt, Larry, Larry Melnick again. And then after the Islanders, Dwayne Sutter went on to play with Chicago. Um, Dwayne Sutter, eight seasons with the Islanders, four cups, 667 games, 1,214 penalty minutes, and 92 fights. And Dwayne Sutter, was not a, he was not a killer. He was a middleweight. He's ranked number four because he took on everybody, and the role he played, he just agitated guys, and he got under their skin. And Dwayne Sutter, um, one of those support pieces during the dynasty years that I don't say he gets un overlooked because, you know, the Sutter name, but... I mean, he was really important to those Stanley Cup teams. And, and if you saw the games, you watched them, you realize that I think a lot of times people outside of the island um, just really focus on the big names. But people here on the island know how much the, the support guys like a Dwayne Sutter uh, played, the role they played in winning those four cups. So Dwayne Sutter led the team in penalty minutes three times. He led the team in playoff penalty minutes twice. He led the team in fighting majors four times, and that's 
for the era that Dwayne Sider played in and the fact that he was not a heavyweight, he led the team in fights four times during that era, that's a pretty big deal. And I, I think you really should take a second to let that set in. Think about the era that he played in. He led the Islander team. And think about the guys that he played with. He led the team in fights four times. Um, and he was tied for the team lead in fights one other time. So that's five times he either held the lead or shared the lead in his season with the Islanders. That's a pretty big deal. He led the team in playoff fights three times, and he tied for the team lead in playoff fights once. He's fifth in the history of the franchise in regular season fighting majors with 71. So those other fights, the other 21 fights, those are playoff fights. And he is sixth all-time in penalty minutes with 893. So the number I gave you previously, the 1,214 penalty minutes, think about this, 893 of those are regular season. The other 300-some-odd minutes, those are playoff penalty minutes. This guy was a big deal. Um, and he would be higher except for the fact that I have three killers in front of him. But uh, that's about as high as I could put Dwayne Sutter. I think it's fitting. I hope that you do too. Uh, Dwayne Sutter slots in at number four on my all-time toughest Islander right wings. Number three. Number three is another guy I've been trying to get a hold of. And... Um, no luck so far. So if anyone out there is buddies with Eric Goddard, please send out the SOS. Um, I want to get Eric on the show. I'm a huge fan of his. I was fortunate enough to meet him. Um, tremendous guy. And I'll, oh, I mean, the Goddard Cairns years were just insane. I mean, let's, let's call it as it is. They, they were just bananas uh, having those two guys there. And just the other guys around him, you know, Scatchard and Asham and uh, for one season and Jason Weimer. I mean, those were – Webby was here. I mean, just some really, really good times. But Eric Goddard is my number three all-time toughest Islander right wing. One hundred Only 107 games. Goddard had a great career. So it's not just uh, – you know, if you decide to look him up, don't just look up his Islander fights because that really is just where it began. And uh, But he had some really good years with Calgary and Pittsburgh – uh, definitely look it up. And the best part about Eric Goddard is how he became an Islander. So he was originally Florida Panthers property. And Florida had a ton, a ton of tough guys that they had on their roster. But most of them were in the minors. And I, their team was in Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. And they, I don't know how it worked out, they loaned Goddard to Bridgeport while he was still a uh, Florida Panthers property. And Goddard was just a killer. I mean, an absolute killer. And I guess, you know, whomever, I, I don't know if it was, uh, wh whoever it was, if it was the scouts or the GM, whatever it was, probably watched this guy play in Bridgeport and said, this guy is fucking tough. We need to get him on the Islanders. And then they ended up working a deal out with Florida and uh, they got him. So that really, the, the glut of, of heavyweights and the glut of toughness that Florida had in the minors at the time really led to Goddard becoming an Islander. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. 100%. So Goddard played uh, three seasons here with the Islanders, uh, 107 games, 260 penalty minutes, 43 fights. Not too bad. Uh, he, let's see, started in uh, 0203, had four fights in the preseason. He fought Turner Stevenson twice, uh, Donald Brashear and Jim McKenzie. So uh, he didn't go after little guys and uh, trying to establish yourself. Those are some pretty good names to go after. Uh, Stevenson, Brashear, and uh, Jimmy Mack. And you know how much respect I have for Jimmy McKenzie. Uh, pretty good uh, guys to go after in your first preseason with the team. 
Uh, 02 03, eventually uh, called up to the Islanders, played 19 games, eight fights, 48 penalty minutes. Picked up where he left off in that preseason, fighting guys like Ty Domi, Chris Dingman, Peter Worrell, PJ Stock, Todd Fedoric, Andre Waugh, Francis Lassard. So, um, pretty tough guys on that list, too. Uh, move on to the next preseason, two fights. Again, he went after small guys, uh, Steve McKenna and David Kochi. And again, I say that tongue-in-cheek because they're not small guys. Um, 31 games that regular season, 97 penalty minutes, 13 fights. Uh, Andrew Peters, Brian Marchment, Ty Domi again, Donald Brashear again, Wade Brookbank, Lyle Odeline, Jody Shelley, Chris Dingman again, Wade Belak, Bolts, Eric Bolton, Dan Lacator, Chris Simon, Reed Lowe. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, again, look at that. And the Chris Simon fight, I think that was during the um, Islander game where all hell broke loose and uh, Karens wanted to get at Purinton, but he didn't really want any part of him. Uh, that was a, a real fun part, uh, the two seasons that we had here with uh, with Goddard and Cairns. Uh, then the following season was the lockout. Come back, uh, 05, 06, and now here's the deal. Uh, Cairns is gone, so now Goddard is the main guy. Uh, two fights in the preseason, uh, Del Purinton and uh, Milan Jersina. I don't know what Jersina was thinking. And uh, as far as Goddard goes numbers-wise, his, his uh, most productive fighting season with the Islanders, 14 majors, 115 penalty minutes in 57 games. Uh, this was a fun season for me as an Islander fan with Goddard because it was the Goddard-McGratton season. They had three classic heavyweight tilts in this season. Uh, McGratton, fuck, that guy loves to fight. Uh, the two of these guys, I, I, they're buddies as far as I know. Three classic fights and uh, definitely go back and watch those. But uh, besides fighting McGratton three times, again, Donald Brashear, Darren Langdon, George LaRock, Brad May, Chris Simon again, Colt Knorr twice, uh, Eric Bolton again. And we had the heavyweight matchup of uh, Eric Goddard and Eric Cairns while uh, Cairns, he was in Florida. So um, Goddard, like I said, if you compare Goddard's career numbers to Dwayne Sutter's career numbers, I mean, actually, to be honest with you, most of the guys on this list, except for the next two guys, numbers kind of pale in comparison to Dwayne Sutter based on the longevity that Dog had here with the Islanders. But Goddard's numbers with the Islanders, um, the guys that he fought, I mean, unbelievable. So uh, I don't know if I gave you these numbers yet. 107 games, 260 penalty minutes, 43 fighting majors. Uh, he led the team in penalty minutes once. That was with the uh, 115. Uh, led the team in fighting majors once that same season with 14 fights. Uh, led the team in preseason fighting majors twice. And, you know, if you're a fan of the fights, you know that that's a pretty important thing because you know that's where you have to make your impression. And uh, twice he led the team in uh, preseason fighting majors. And the third season, he had three preseasons here. That third season he was tied for the team lead in fighting majors. So, uh Goddard is 63rd all-time in Islander penalty minutes with 260. Yes, I did count all these. And he is 13th all-time in uh, fighting majors at the club with his 34. Uh, Goddard's tenure here was way too short. And uh, it's it's sad because the career this guy had was impressive. And um, uh, I believe he won a cup with Pittsburgh, which him winning the cup makes me happy. With the team he did it with doesn't make me happy. Of course, I don't like Pittsburgh. But... Um, 
really soft-spoken guy, just a, a scary dude. And I remember the first time I met him was at Bridgeport, uh, and he almost broke my hand when he shook my hand. And uh, just, I mean, a terrific human being. And uh, really, like I said, a guy that uh, I would love to get on the show to talk about his time here and his, his whole career. Um, I don't know outside of the hockey fight nerd community if he gets as much respect or his credit that he deserves. And uh, I'd love to chat with him about it. So uh, that is number three on my all-time toughest Islander right wing. So now we get to the top two. The top two. And I know you guys might think I'm crazy but this was not easy for me to discern this order and I know you think I'm crazy because one of these guys is Bob Nystrom and Bob Nystrom you only have to say Bob Nystrom and uh, you know the word legend comes to mind so I know you guys might think I'm crazy but this was actually a really really tough decision for me uh, where to put Nystrom and uh, where to put who actually ended up being number two. And number two is is my buddy Mick Vakoda. And, um, you know, th- this was a tough one. Uh, honestly, I, I know, like like I've said before, people right away when they talk about their Islander top tens, the, the first two guys they always mention are Clark Gillies and Bobby Nystrom. And, 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 and they should. They absolutely should. Those guys have earned their place in Islanders lore. But as I'm fond of saying, guys like Mick Vakoda, guys like Eric Cairns, guys like Gary Howitt, they're also sitting at that table, and they need to be mentioned in this conversation. So um, uh, weighing back and forth uh, Mick or Bobby Nystrom, um, and again, I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here who's number one. Obviously, if you're an Islanders fan, uh, when you hear I put Mick Vakoda at two, then you immediately knew who number one was going to be. Um, but I did put Mick at number two, and, and I hope he's okay with that. Um, obviously, Mick knows how much I respect him and how much I love him and uh, the career that he had, but I, it was a tough decision. It really was tough, and, and some of you guys might be sitting here going, you're a fucking idiot because Bobby Nystrom is a god and Bobby Nystrom is a legend, and yes, he is, but Mick Vakoda, you know, listen, Mick and I did almost eight hours in the uh, on three separate one episode but three parts of that episode we didn't do eight hours at once that would have been lunacy but i kind of one of the things that i wanted to accomplish when i started this show was to get mick vakoda on and to talk about his career because i've heard mick vakoda over the years doing other interviews and doing uh other podcasts and everything and uh, none were the length that mine was ever going to be, and none were ever as detailed as mine was ever going to be. And that's not a knock on the other shows at all or the other interviews that he's done. Um, this platform uh, and this show was the perfect show to really discuss the entirety of his career. And one of the reasons why I did this show was because I wanted to tell, well, I wanted Mick to tell his story, and I wanted him to tell it where I was the vessel. To bring it to everybody that was something i I really wanted to accomplish and and i did and it's one of the things i'm most proud of uh that i since i started this show um i'm gonna do the numbers normally i talk about the guys they fought first but i'm gonna do mixed numbers because they are staggering i want you to to get a feel for this so mick played 10 seasons here he should have played more but uh, we all know why he didn't 531 games, 
1,952 penalty minutes because we're counting playoffs and 164 fights. Let that sink in a little bit. This guy should have been a career Islander. Those numbers should, you know, his penalty minutes should be over 2,000. He does have over 2,000 penalty minutes, but not all with the Islanders. Um, But Mick, during his tenure, led the team in penalty minutes five times. He led the team in playoff penalty minutes once. He led the team in fighting majors six out of his ten years. And he tied for the team lead in fighting majors once. So seven out of ten years, Mick was at the top of the fighting major list on this team. He led the team in playoff fights one time. And he tied for the team lead in playoff fights one time. And as you know, Mick is first in the history of the franchise in regular season fights with 160 and of course, he is the all-time penalty minute leader with 1,879 penalty minutes. Um, you know, honestly, for me to start talking about Mick, it, it would probably be doing a disservice in terms of the fact that you can go back and listen to the episodes that I did with him and hear it right from the man himself. Um, Mick's story is a great one. I will talk about some of the guys he fought, but I, I really... This is, like I said, it, it's it's one of the things that I really take a lot of pride in about this show. And you hear the other guys who do shows like this talk about it. And I'm not the biggest show. I am far from it. I honestly don't even think I pull in the numbers that you know my friends do, like Darren and Alec on their shows. I don't think I do the numbers that they do. And that's okay. I, I'm not doing this for numbers. I'm not doing this for stats, whatever. Um, I'm totally cool with that. I don't think I pull in the numbers that those guys do. And I'm almost positive I probably don't pull in the numbers of some of the bigger Islander podcasts. I don't care. I don't care. Um, the Mick Fakota series of interviews that, that I did with him, like I said, it's something that I am so proud of. And I, you know, Darren is fond of saying this about his show, and I agree 100%. He'll put his interviews up against anybody's, including the big guys, the heavy hitters in the podcast world. I, I say the same thing about mine. And first and foremost, the, the eight hours or so that I did with with Mick, uh, to me uh, that would be that would be my cleanup. Well, maybe batting third. I think in baseball a lot of times your best hitter is your third hitter, but that's that's in the meat of my order in terms of these episodes that I've done, and that says a lot about Mick that he gave me all that time. Um, but it says a lot about Mick because of the career he had as an Islander. Um, I mean, let's talk about some of the guys. I mean, here's the thing now. So his first NHL fight was against Tim Hunter. But go back and listen to the episode because it's not the first guy that he dropped the gloves with. The first guy that he dropped the gloves with was in Hartford against Dave Tiger Williams. But you don't know, you may not know that story, so go back and listen to the episode. But his first NHL fight, Tim Hunter Calgary. I'm just going to rattle off some names here, guys, so bear with me because this fight card is insane. Um, Timmy Hunter, Craig Berube, Tory Robertson, Dave Richter, Garth Butcher, Dean Kennedy, Ken Danico, Todd Hawkins, who you may not know, but again, we talk about that fight. Go back. I mean, Todd had a, a pretty good cr- pro career, um, a lot of it in the minors, though, so you may not know just how tough he was. Uh, let's continue. Larry Melnick, Gord Donnelly, Jeff Chikrin, David Maley, Mike Hartman, Neil Sheehy, Marty McSorley, Jay Caulfield, Brendan Shanahan, Perry Anderson, Steve Dykstra, Bruce Shoebottom, Basil McRae, Kevin McGuire, Tony Horacek, Alan May, K. 
Kevin McClellan, Chris King, Al Secord. Again, and you've seen that Al Secord fight. And there's a good story that goes along with that Al Secord fight. So please go back and listen to the Mick episode. Um, I don't know if I said him yet. Ed Kastelik, Jamie Huscroft, fought him a bunch of times. Uh, Rudy Poshek, Glenn Featherstone, Chris McRae, Dave Brown. You you know, again, you've heard of Dave Brown, right? Yeah, he's a pretty tough guy. Uh, Rob Ramage, Al Stewart, Dennis Vial, Dale Kushner, Gino Ojik, Mike Peluso, Rob Ray. Listen to the Mick Vakoda episodes so you can hear him talk about the rivalry that he had with Rob Ray. It's a total rivalry based on hate. I've said it a million times. Everyone could talk about the Rob Ray Ty Domi rivalry. Yes, great. They fought 10 times. They respect the shit out of each other. The rivalry that Mick had with Rob Ray takes a backseat to no rivalry. And go back and listen, hear from the man himself. Rob Ray, Mick Vakoda. Awesome rivalry. Blows away the Domi-Ray rivalry, in my opinion. Um, John Cordick, Randy McKay, Troy Millette, uh, Tony Twist, Louis DeBrusque, Sean Cronin, Stu Grimson. I'm going to keep going because I don't want to leave anybody out here of the, the killers that he fought. Uh, Dan Cordick, uh, Terry Karkner. I'm, I don't want to repeat, guys, because I really don't have to, but I'm, my memory sucks. Jay Wells, uh, let's see. Jay Wells, Mike Peluso, Kelly Chase. I already said Garth Butcher. I already said Peluso, Danny Vial, Warren Reichel, Darren Kimball, Bill Heward, Lyle Odeline, Mark Jansons, Brent Severin. Uh, let's see. Brashear, Francois LaRue, uh, Enrico Ciccone, Sean Antosky. Uh, we talked about Domi. Uh, talked about Brashear, Crow, Chris Tamer, Baruby. Uh, let's see. Dave Roach, uh, Scott Daniels. Guys, honestly. Mick Fakoda. <laughs> it almost feels like I'm doing the guy a disservice putting him at number two. This is why I had such a hard time with this. I almost want to make it 1B because, uh, Jesus, fuck the guy. God damn it. He could be number one on so many teams. Um, but I almost, sound, I almost sound negative here. I'm negative against myself. Look, I, I am... 49 years old. I am unabashedly biased. I make no bones about that. Okay. I don't have to be unbiased. This is my show. The Islanders are my team. And these are the guys who did the job for them. Uh, I will shout from the mountaintop what I think about Mick Fakoda. Um, I don't fight with people anymore. Like I, I never really was one to argue with people on internet message boards. Um, you know, like there are certain people that will always every single thing that someone says about like a guy like Donald Brashear, a buddy of mine will go and argue with him. Loves it. Loves to defend Donald Brashear. And um, you know, there are some people that are critical of Mick and I just don't care because the guys who are critical of Mick have never done the job and uh have never been in his shoes and have played exactly zero professional hockey games. So uh, I don't argue with them, but, I mean, you know, what else is there to say? You're probably sick of me talking about the guy, and, and I hope that's not the case. But, um, guys, listen, really, uh, me ranking him at number two is only because of who number one is. Mick could be number one on anybody's list. He could be number one on my uh, on anyone's top ten Islander fighter list. I know right away, like I said, you jump to Gillies and Nystrom. You can make a case for Vakoda. The guy had an amazing career here. He fucking loved being an Islander. That's the one thing that I, I think I love about him the most is that 
Um, we as Islander fans, we love this team. And a lot of times the guys that play for the team, it's their job. It's like you and your job. You may not love your job, but you do your job. And athletes are no different. They don't have to love their job. And they don't have to say, take pride in the team like we do as fans. But Mick did that. He fucking loved being an Islander. He loved wearing that crest. And you can tell when you talk to him. And he said it a number of times. You know, even, you know, go back and listen to the interview where he talks about how him and Richie Pilon uh, wanted to jump Dale Hunter in the runway, in the hallway after the playoff game where uh, he cheap-shotted uh, Pierre Turgeon. I mean, th- this is legitimate stuff. It's from a guy who played with every ounce of fiber in his being, played with all heart, uh, and, and loved wearing that crest. Mick Fakoda, number two on my list, really is 1B. Um, go back and listen to the episodes, please. Uh, I really, like I said, I, I love those episodes. Uh, they're like my babies. All my episodes are my babies. Uh, but obviously none of them have the length of the Fakoda episodes. So please go back and... Mick, if you're listening, thank you for all your time during those episodes. It means the world to me, and thank you for allowing me to bring your story to however many people listen to it. So um, thank you, and thank you for your time here with the Islanders and everything you've done. Which, of course, brings me now to number one. Uh, No surprise, really. Um, (laughs) We've already mentioned him because there's an award. Well, there was an award. I don't know if they still do it anymore. They might. Uh, I mean, I'm so confused with the with the hockey with this season. Um, Bobby Nystrom. So I guess a guy nicknamed Mr. Islander really should be number one. And the guy that had the career that Bob Nystrom had and the impact that Bob Nystrom had on this franchise should be number one. Um, like I said, we mentioned him. We, I, there's no we here. It's me. I. I've mentioned him already twice or two or three times in this episode. Guys have won that Bob Nystrom award. So when you have an award named after you for the team that you played on, I guess that's saying something too. And I love Bob Nystrom. I know I just went on and on about Mick. Um, And it's a little different because uh, Mick is a good friend of mine. And I was able to talk to him a million times while he was here with the Islanders. Uh, Just because of my age, I didn't really get to ever really chat with Bob Nystrom. Uh, because I was too young, I, I didn't have any access to that. So I, I feel a certain brotherhood with with Mick that I, I don't feel with a lot of the older guys, just because of my relationship with them. But it's not a slight against the older guys. Obviously, um, you hear in the episodes that I, whenever I ask a guy uh, who they were when they were younger, I was always Bob Nystrom or Clark Gillies in the street when playing street hockey. Um, and you know what? I was one of thousands of kids on Long Island or Queens that played street hockey that were Bob Nystrom because the guy is plain and simple, a legend, uh, Mr. Islander, the toughest guy who ever played right wing for the Islanders. Let me give you his numbers here. Let's start out with that. Okay. Bob Nystrom, 14 seasons with the Islanders, 1,057 games, 1,484 penalty minutes and 113 fighting majors. Now, obviously, uh, those numbers might be a little higher than you're used to hearing because those include playoffs. And, oh, yeah, four. Four Stanley Cups. Four Stanley Cups for Bob Nystrom. So Bob, as you know, is an original Islander, made his debut with the team, 72-73, 11 games, 
10 penalty minutes. How could that be? All right, I might have screwed up here because he had 10 penalty minutes, but one fight, that doesn't work out. So I don't know. Don Seleski was the fight in 72-73 that he had. Uh, I have to go back and check my numbers. See, what a putz. You think I'd be? I'd have this down pat. Um, I'm going to guess maybe it was 10 games and 11 penalty minutes. That makes more sense. But he did fight Don Seleski his first year. Um, next year, 73-74, that's when he became a regular. Went from 10 or 11 regular season games up to 77 games, 118 penalty minutes, eight fighting majors. Uh, Vic Hadfield with the Rangers, uh, Moose Dupont with the Flyers, Dennis O'Brien with the North Stars, Kurt Bennett with Atlanta, Daryl Sittler, Toronto, Bob Daly with Vancouver. Um, that was his season in 73-74. 74, 75, 76 games, 122 penalty minutes, eight fights. Uh, Butch Deadmarsh, Butch Deadmarsh, with Kansas City Scouts. You ever hear of them? Um, Jerry Byers of Atlanta Flames, the Atlanta Flames. Dave Hutchinson with the Kings. Uh, future Islander Wayne Merrick when he was with the Blues. He fought Bobby Nystrom when you know, you know when Bobby was an Islander. He was always an Islander. Uh, Pat Quinn, remember him? He was a GM. Well, he played. He played with Atlanta. The big Irishman. Yeah, he was still big when he played. Fought Bob Nystrom 74-75. 74-75 playoffs. That was a pretty good, uh, pretty good run there for a, a pretty new team. That's one of the teams, you know, talk about the team this year and how memorable they're going to be for fans like myself. You go back to that uh, 93 team that is memorable to this day with a lot of Islander fans. And obviously I'm not going to say I remember that. 74-75 playoff team. I was four. I, I don't remember that team. But I've read a lot about it. And for people here on Long Island and Islander fans worldwide that were old enough, that are old enough to remember that, I think that was probably the first team that you just embraced because obviously they're a couple of years old and they make this fantastic playoff run. Uh, Bobby played 17 playoff games, uh, 27 penalty minutes, had a fight with Eddie Van Imp of the Flyers. But I think that playoff team for people older than myself, um, that's the first, I think, group, let's say, that you embraced because it was it was unexpected um, for a team like that. See, I think nowadays, you know, people say, oh, look at the uh, Vegas Knights. You know, they're, they're in the uh, league three years. Look at the success they've had. Well, before Vegas, expansion teams really didn't have that immediate success, and the Islanders were terrible their first year. And uh, a few years later, they find themselves on a pretty decent playoff run. So I think that was really the first team that people embraced. And, of course, Bobby was a big part of that team. Uh, played all 80 games the next season, 106 PIMS, uh, seven fights. Uh, Dennis Hextall, uh, Dunk Wilson, Daryl Sittler again, uh, Ross Lonsberry, Ron Settlebarrow with the Canucks. Uh, that playoff year, 13 games, 30 penalty minutes, two fights. Uh, Frank Mahovlich. These are guys' names that you know. You've heard of them. I mean, a guy that you've heard of Mahovlich, obviously. Uh, and Jim Schoenfeld. I love Jim Schoenfeld. Uh, Bobby fought him in those playoffs. Uh, next year, 76-77. Again, 80 games. This is something that, you know, for a guy that played the way Bobby did, he didn't miss a lot of time during his seasons. He really didn't. So it's another season of 80 games, 91 penalty minutes, nine fights. Uh, again, fought a guy, Mike Milbury. You all know what his deal is. And uh, I wish Nystrom wishes he could probably have that fight back, maybe give him an extra shot or two. Uh, not that he needs it back to redeem himself, just maybe give him uh, give him another shot or whatever. Um, 
Steve Jensen, Minnesota, Don Selesky, Pat Boutet, Ron Greshner, uh, Bobby Nystrom front and center in the uh, Islander Ranger rivalry, of course, definitely. Uh, another guy who fought that year was Yvonne Labray of uh, Washington. Playoffs that year, another fight, 12 games, seven penalty minutes, one fight. Guy named Randy Holt. If you're not familiar with Randy Holt, definitely do some research on him. That guy was a total nut job, tough as nails. Uh, Bobby fought him. Holt was with Chicago at the time. 77-78. Again, 80 games played, 94 penalty minutes, 10 fights. Uh, Fred Barrett twice, Mel Bridgman twice. The Mel Bridgman fights, Bobby Nystrom and Mel Bridgman fights are classics, absolute classics. Definitely look those up. Uh, future Islander Reed Larson. Uh, underrated in the toughness department, that's for sure. He was with Detroit at the time, fought Bob Nystrom. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Doug Risebrow, Cal Vadney, Errol Thompson, Ron Settlebauer. Uh, and then in the playoffs that year, uh, seven more games, 14 more pims, two fights with Mike Pelk and uh, Tiger Williams in Toronto. Tiger was a pretty intense guy when it came to his time with Toronto and against the Islanders. Uh, he was always in the middle of it. So, uh, so if you're old enough to remember, and this is really around the age where I start to remember uh, things. And, and I remember Tiger in the playoffs against the Islanders was always, it was always a big thing. I remember uh, um, Warner Wolf, I believe was always uh, talking about it on the, and on channel two here in New York. If I, I, my memory might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was the one out of all the sports uh, sports guys on the local news. He was always the one that did the most hockey and he always was the one that embraced the fighting. Uh, move on to 97, uh, 97, 1978-79, 78 games played, 113 pimps, 10 fights, Pat Ribble, Randy Holt, Dennis O'Brien, Rick Green, Dave Hoyda, Tiger Williams again, Neil Komodowski, uh, Donnie Maloney, Steve Payne, Pierre Plant. Uh, you know, typical season for Bob Nystrom where he, he doesn't get a ton of penalty minutes. He'll have between seven and 12 fights, let's say. You know, he's, you know, he's a great player, um, you know, it, it's just par for the course. You know, as we, we keep going, we talk about other guys he fought. This is a guy Bob Nystrom took a regular shift, and he fought everybody. Uh, John Wensink, uh, let's see, Bob Kelly with the Flyers, Al Secord. Uh, we mentioned Schoenfeld. He fought Nick Fatiu, uh, Phil Russell, Terry Johnson, Dale Hunter, Harold Snaps, Bob Daly, uh, Danny Gare, Barry Melrose, Paul McLean, Glenn Cochran, again Randy Holt, Pat Boutet. Bob McGill, Wolf Paymont, uh, Don Jackson, Scott Stevens. Again, Scott Stevens comes up on an Islander fight card. Yeah, he's pretty tough in this day. Uh, Gary Rissling, Larry Melnick, Scott Stevens again, Wolf Paymont again, Glenn Cochran again, uh, Lindsey Carson, George McPhee, tough as nails, Neil Sheehy, Dave Hunter, Ed Hospodar, Steve Dykstra, and of course, my favorite, favorite, most favorite, you get the idea that I like this fight? Bob Nystrom fight Jim Corn of Toronto. Now, Jim Corn is a guy um, I respect everybody who did the job and does the job, even if I don't like them. Uh, I've gone on record a few times saying that there are a few guys that I don't really care for that did the job. Uh, Jim Corn is someone that, it's not that I didn't like him. I, I found him to be... Uh, pretty boring and again who am like i, I say that tongue-in-cheek because who am i i'm sitting here i'm a guy with zero pro games i'm a guy with zero amateur games like I, I'm, I'm literal ham and agger but in terms of the guys if you compare jim corn to other guys who did the job 
I found him to be a little boring. I found him to be a legitimate wrestler. And a, but he's a big dude, and a lot of times it seemed like he would just wrestle guys until he fell on top of them. Well, and you've heard me talk about this fight before, so please just let me elaborate. So uh, Jim Corn did his, was doing his job, by the way, by giving Pat LaFontaine a hard time. This was a, a young, young, I guess, rookie Pat LaFontaine at the time. And... You know, Patty's the guy. He's going to come in. He's going to be the next guy after these glory years are over, and he's going to lead the Islanders. Everything everything you remember about hearing about Patty LaFontaine, and you know I love Patty. Um, and Matt Nickerson, Patty LaFontaine is the uh, number one U.S.-born player. I don't care what you say, but you know I love you. Um, so Jim Corn is giving Pat LaFontaine a rough ride this night, and he is just all over him, and he's roughing him up and roughing him up. And I guess at a certain point, Bob Nystrom had had enough. And Bob Nystrom went and he challenged Jim Corn. And I guess there's a lot of different phrases that are said now. Beat the brakes, beat the wheels. Whatever phrase that you prefer to say that kick someone's ass, that's what Bob Nystrom did to Jim Corn. And it wasn't that Jim Corn went off and he was a bloody mess or anything like that, but it was methodical, the beating that Bob Nystrom put on Jim Corn. It was almost like Jim Corn didn't know what to do. Uh, Nystrom's throwing punch after punch, and and Corn has taken him to his credit. He's taken all these shots, but he's not doing much otherwise. I mean, Nystrom. It was a combination of Nystrom's ability to tie up Jim, and his ability to while he's tying up his opponent to throw punches. I mean, Nystrom's an all timer. Okay, but that is a fight where. Both feeds are available, and I believe in the uh, the Toronto feed, it was Don Cherry. It basically says, somebody better get in there. He's going to kill him. And to me, that is um, my favorite fight for a number of reasons. It, it was obviously, uh, to me, it defines the role where you go in to defend your teammates. And um, and I think we I, I talked about it when I did my uh, Top 10 Defenseman episode where uh, Ken Baumgartner's first game with the Islanders was in Chicago. And Dave Manson was roughing up Pat LaFontaine. And he went right in and uh, went after Manson. And they didn't end up fighting. Uh, but it was, it was just another case of a guy doing the job. And especially in that case with Bomber, he had played with Manson in Prince Albert. So they're teammates, ex-teammates, they're friends. And it didn't matter that that friendship didn't matter that ex-teammate thing didn't matter because now bomber was an islander and he was brought in to protect pat lafontaine and that's what he did uh but years before that happened it was a similar incident where jim corn is roughing up pat lafontaine and bobby nystrom comes in and does the job and like i said to me that is what the enforcer role is all about it's what the beauty of the role is um where you come in to defend a teammate like pat lafontaine had a I, and I'd love to ask Pat if I had the opportunity to ask him about what he was feeling because size comparison, Jim Corn is a lot bigger than Patty LaFontaine. And to have a guy like Bob Nystrom come in and say, step aside, kid, I'm going to handle this for you. And just, like I say, just systematically take him apart. I mean, how to make Pat LaFontaine feel 10 feet tall. I mean, the whole thing, we talk about this role and we talk about guys like a Bobby Nystrom and a Mick Vakoda, um, doing this job and creating space for the quote-unquote skill players. And I do that because I think everyone that plays in the NHL is a skill player. But Pat LaFontaine is there for a different reason than Bob Nystrom and a different reason than Mick Fakoda. But guys like Mick and Bobby, 
give Pat LaFontaine that room he needs to operate. So uh, I'd love to get Pat's opinion on what he thought of that day uh, with Bob Nystrom kicking the shit out of Jim Corn for him. But um, Bob Nystrom, he tied for the team lead in fights one time. He led the team in playoff fights one time. Tied for the team lead in playoff fights one time. He's third in the history of the franchise with 99 regular season fights. And I bet, I bet if, God almighty, if I ever got the chance to interview Bob, holy cow. First, I'd have to probably not record for about 20 minutes so I can fanboy out for a little bit and then get down to business. But I don't know if he's aware of that. And I bet if he was, and you said that to the Bob Nystrom from uh, 1985-86 season where he had two fights, I bet if he knew he had 99 fights, he definitely would have went and uh, rounded that up to 100 for sure. But third on the team, uh, in uh, career fights behind uh, Nick Vakoda and Gary Howitt, uh, 99 fights. And he's fifth all-time in penalty minutes, 1,248. And like I said, he has 113 career fights, so that's 14 playoff fights. And he has 1,484 in terms of penalty minutes. So he's got uh, a little over 200 penalty minutes in the playoffs. I mean, Bob Nystrom is Mr. Islander for a reason. He is a legend. And, um, you know, uh, Mick Vakoda is very humble about what he did with this team, and I would imagine uh, him being behind Bob Nystrom on this list is something that he's very willing to accept. I think anyone is willing to uh, place themselves behind Bob Nystrom in any list. Uh, I don't know, maybe not Clark Gillies because they're buddies. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Uh, but everybody knows who Bob Nystrom is. He is Mr. Islander, and Bob Nystrom is my number one toughest right winger that ever played for the Islanders. And by the way, similar to Dwayne Sutter, you all know it, Bobby Nystrom, four Stanley Cup rings, including the game winner for the first one against the Flyers. Some people say it was offsides. I'm not so sure about that, but I have a lot of Flyer fan buddies that will probably give me grief about bringing that up. But uh, Bobby fucking Nystrom, man, number one fucking legend. So um, now that will set up my ultimate Islander top ten. That's going to be a, a bit of a project for me, so I wouldn't expect that for a few weeks. But like I said, we're going to alternate interview episodes with uh, individual episodes. So um, so look for that in the coming weeks, maybe next month or so. Uh, but I will definitely have my Ultimate Islanders top 10 list. I uh, hope you enjoy that one. But uh, let's go over today again. Let's do a, a quick uh, recap of who made the list today. So my honorable mentions were Justin Johnson, Rob, uh, Rob, yeah, Rob DeMaio. What the fuck? Start over. Honorable mentions, Justin Johnson, Rob DeMaio, Jimmy Cummins, and Steve Thomas. Then we get to the top 10. Number 10, Brett Lindros. Number 9, Joe Recklage. Number 8, Tim Jackman. Number 7, Steve Webb. Number 6, Alan Kerr. Number 5, Aaron Asham. Number 4, Dwayne Sutter. Number 3, Eric Goddard. Number 2, Mick Vakoda. And the all-time Islander toughest right-wing king, Mr. Islander, Bobby Nystrom. So, folks, thank you for listening. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to tell you who I have next week because I haven't recorded it yet. But the interview I have next week, if, if it works out well this week, is a guy that you may not have heard of. And he's a guy that was out of my mind, let's say. And I saw his name pop up last week and something and I don't remember what it was but I remembered him he had a training camp with the Islanders um, and I remember his story being pretty interesting 
because of where he came from and where he played leading up to the Islanders signing him. I, I think it's a pretty interesting story. He is definitely not a household name in this country, in, in this hockey world, let's say, okay? Because um, he didn't spend a lot of time here uh, on the island. But in hockey circles and international hockey circles, I think he's kind of a big deal. And I think his story is really interesting. So this is where, and I keep going back to Darren. He better send me that fucking check. Where Darren will talk about the guys that he interviews that you may not know the name. But if you listen to the interview, you'll definitely know some of the guys that they mentioned in terms of who they fought. And what I want to say about, and by the way, the people that listen to the Jody Robinson episode, uh, that went over really well, and I appreciate everybody listening to it. And Jody, if you're listening to this, it really went over well. People loved it. Thank you for coming on. With this episode, guys, just because you may not have heard of him because he was a very, very short-term Islander in terms of playing in the organization, he's got a pretty interesting story. He's played a lot of places. He's not from North America. I'm telling you, I'm not gonna, I don't want to give too much of it away. But I am really looking forward to doing this interview because I, I think it's going to be pretty fascinating. It'll be a different kind of interview than any one that I've done so far. Let's put it that way. Uh, definitely a whole different set of questions. Um, I think it's going to be fun. So, um, And I've never spoken to this guy before other than in, in private messages. So um, I'm not going to say who it is because if I do, guaranteed something will happen and I won't get the chance to talk to him. But definitely look out for the interview next week. And uh, I really hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. Uh, that I did about the Islander top 10 toughest Islander right wings. It is now, I've been with you two hours. It is now five minutes to one o'clock on Sunday. I couldn't have placed it any better. I'm going to hopefully watch the Buffalo Bills beat the shit out of the Miami Dolphins. Let's go Bills. Everybody have a great week and um, be safe. And I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.